0: Um... Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Gravel. I'm better
1: I'm JP. And
0: I'm Gareth. Well, back lads, after what feels like a million years, it's the first podcast of the year, unbelievably. I had to double check that as far as an official Spotlight podcast goes and only the one or two things happening in wrestling in the, the last week or so, JP.
1: Oh, fucking hell. I've done nothing but watch loads of wrestling this week. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, it was like, oh, we took a bit of a break from New Japan, didn't we? We didn't talk... About the G one, we couldn't be asked to watch it. That's the that's the sheer truth, and very few did. And those who did didn't exactly have great things to say about it. Mm. And by fuck, have we made up for it in this first week? <laughs> I'm sick of New Japan, and it's been the first week in January. I've, I need a fucking break already.
0: And the funny thing is, it's like, it's wrestling, not to give too much of a hip look behind the scenes, but in the pre-show we were just talking then, weren't we, about, like, the amount of shit we got to talk about today, just since we did that preview show last Monday, you know, Wrestle Kingdom's AEW shows, releases, me being the main character on Twitter, we'll get into that, um, all that stuff. And yet, still, New Japan's biggest week of the of the, of the like the season, of the of the year, I still feel like I don't really necessarily want to talk about them i still don't think they're gonna be first and then we'll get to them but there's so much like other shit to talk about isn't there it's just it's been one of them fucking weeks
2: it's been fucking wild it's just oh i was just saying on the pre-show just i, I literally my, my head's just scrambled with it all i think just the volume of wrestling with all these different shows from with a you know with, with obviously all the new japan stuff from the extra show there and then like Noah then running shows in and around that one, and like watching those, and then like obviously AEW throwing in the extra show on the Saturday as well. Like it's just felt it's just felt wall to wall wrestling. A lot of good stuff though. It's been quite good. To kind of, like I wasn't back in work until Friday last week, so I've had quite like a lot of time to keep up to speed with it all and things. Otherwise, I'd have been absolutely fucked. I think, but it's uh, it's been it's been good. It's just been a little bit of a. Uh, I don't know just a little nice little start of the year. get a get a load of wrestling in. well.
0: That and, and ridden your spare room a grapple t-shirts—that's been what you've been up to. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: uh, <laughs> making a making a dent in those. It's nice to uh, nice to finally have. Um, I don't know, they have only been sat there since July. Um, so <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> King of the Mountain, Carl Gax done a great job there, just bullying me and prodding me and embarrassing me publicly every week to finally get it done. So I've uh, managed to get that one over the line finally. So if anybody does want a grapple t-shirt. Visit Grapple.BigCartel.com and you can uh, treat yourself to a white one or a black one, and uh, more merch to come. But um, yeah, very, uh, very happy to finally be uh, emptying these uh, emptying these boxes and got a big post run tomorrow or the day after as well. So um, there you go, make more work for myself.
1: It's a lovely design as well. It's a lovely t shirt. It's one of those t shirts with that design and logo that it doesn't have like the problem with a lot of wrestling t-shirts or bigging it up at the moment where it's just too much shit going on. It's just like a fucking explosion of a, of a design. Whereas I like this. There's a, there's a wonderful, Simplicity to it, so yeah. Oh, I'm
0: glad you're the judge of that.
1: <laughs> I am the judge of it, and the judge says fucking thumbs up. In fact, he gives it two
0: thumbs up, is what he does. <laughs> and let's just say that the, the judge did get a freebie, so you know, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll take reviews from the people who, uh, who yeah. paid their cash, but the people who paid seem to be uh, seem to be happy with them. But yeah, it's been a uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you're still selling T-shirts, Gareth, despite me dragging the, the good name of Grapple through the mud this week. Um, you know, being so being so Grapple-minded and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Benno's gonna Benno.
2: <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah
0: like I saw you yesterday we went to um the both went to the tNT show yes Ben I went to a Brit Red show this weekend I feel like I was making penance for um all <laughs> the oh, yeah the grief I caused on a, on Twitter on Thursday but there's no greater peace in life lads than like you've got to try it just throw a grenade into um wrestling Twitter every now and then you just say something you know not even that particularly outlandish that you know William regals uh you no know, not particularly have many many great matches in his career and turn your notifications off Aww. go shopping have a few drinks around Liverpool go to some I even went to some Beatles bars JP You'd be uh, very impressed with. And Steph wanted to have a, a little look around, um, you know through Matthew Street and the like. So, you know, I had a nice day, really. You know, <laughs> just uh, every so often, just pull my phone out, argue with another knobhead about William Regal, get back to me next pint. It was uh, a, <laughs> it was a great day, I think. Of I,
1: I was going to say, do you reckon it's the Beatles that did it? That inspired this. They just sent you into a fucking rage that you turned against popular British icons like the Beatles and to a lesser extent, William Regal. And you you, you saw the wrath for that as well.
3: Is he a popular and by the fuck, you icon. weren't
1: backing down either. <laughs>
0: Is he, is he really... I, 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 I love the way it just yes.
2: escalates. I love the way it just escalates Take quick. Like, you, you know, you say about him not having great matches and then suddenly it's like, this person says William Regal shit, like, kind of thing. And it's just, like, within about two tweets, it just, like, goes completely to, like, the <laughs> extremity of the way, you know? Like, it's just... Uh, I don't I'm know how like, you do it. Honestly, I don't know how you cope. My fucking head would blow up.
0: My- <laughs> There's times where, like, you know, people take out of context stuff we say. Like, you know, I'm I'm hard on Christian... But I don't, I don't think he's a bad wrestler, you know. I, 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 think he's fine. It's kind of, you know, my always been my take on him. I would never say... He, he never has less than a three star match. But I don't think he ever has more than a three and a half star match. That's kind of my, my take on him. Or like Kenny Omega, you know. I think we were very fair and balanced in our. Uh, not take down mm. um, podcast of him, but uh, you know, I'll look back as at his title run. You know, we said some things were good, some things were bad, and then people people hear the, re, the you know the mostly negative stuff, and you know, battle things thinks Kenny Omega shit. I don't think Kenny Omega shit. But Regal, on the other hand, oh. like, I just <laughs> like I know, I, like I know what I'm where I, when I did the tweet and I said that like. He'd never had a good match in his life. Yes, that is exaggerated. You know, I, of course, of course, he's had a good match in his life. Has he had a great match? Uh, I think there's, there's more of a more of a conversation to be had there. But like the amount of people who just come back to me and go, "Yeah, he did The Goldberg match," or they name one, and I, I, mean, I I did obviously. I turned it into a bit of a bit going back to people going, "Okay, give me a top five because. I know, I know that you know there are DVDR posters out there, you know, your your Bixers of the World or like an Alan Cheap or people like that or just people who've done you know those type of message board posters you know uh, pwo type people who've done deep dives on regal's career and they can absolutely name you five to six matches that are extremely to their tastes that they really enjoyed and it doesn't matter that it happened on velocity or in front you know in front of a crowd that couldn't give a fuck it doesn't matter that you know it's not particularly matches that you know were p- particularly you know well regarded at the time but have aged well with them you know they're really good they're really matches that they find really good to fit to their tastes the people i was mainly going. After it's the, it's the it's the it's the it's a lot of the Brits. It's a lot of like the america It's a lot of people who are like on just reflex talk about Regal like he's this all time great. Or I mean, a lot of it on Thursday was like he just died because he lost his you know his WWE job. But like it's those people. I team. had wondered. Can yous really can yous really like like okay? I don't like him. So I'm making a joke out of, you know, he I, I, I hasn't had one good match. But I feel like if you really like him and you think he's this great legend, you should be able to name five or six great matches. And the amount of people that come, that will come back either with, like, oh, the Goldberg match or, the like, literally a couple of people gave me lists of, like, his five best matches, and four of them were, like, post-retirement old-man charity matches from FCW and NXT, which were good for what they were at the time. But again... If you're talking about somebody that you're talking about as an all-time great, I feel like you should be able to, you know, pull a little bit harder from his, uh, from his active career. You know, he was active at the, the height of WCW and the height of, you know, mm-hmm. WWF in the, in the attitude There, I feel like it should be, maybe a bit easier to, to pull matches. But, you know, who am I? I'm just a, I'm just a simple internet troll. You know, just putting it out there to start the conversation. And yeah, it got a, <laughs> it got to be heated on Twitter to the point where even I had to walk away for a little while. I've got to admit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Says a lot. <laughs> it, it, although I was going to say, there is one way that we're going to be deciding whether or not this is true See, this or is not. This is the
0: problem. This is what I've got myself into. What yeah. a pro.
1: <laughs> oh, this is trolling. Um, we are going to be doing a William Regal/Steve Regal slash Steve Regal mixtape uh, at some point uh, this week. We mentioned Thursday as a possibility, just throwing it out there. Don't know, just doing that live on air. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, so we got it am we, we've got the list of these matches, the Hashimoto mm. matches there. We've had some suggestions on Twitter as well, like from people who are genuinely well-meaning about this, saying like, look at these matches. I know Alan, who we know, a mate of ours. um Alan no, he Chips, said mix, just going,
0: yeah. He spelled mocks wrong, so huh? I disqualified him. He didn't count. He said mix. So Alan's
1: out. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> right, well, that's it. Can't count it now. <laughs> done for it. And I'm, I'm honestly willing to go through these as this kind is- of a little test and experiment and mm. to see where it is, you know, just to get an idea of it. Because if nothing else, then it's, it's like a lot of these things that, that we find ourselves doing on, on the mixtapes and the flashbacks. You're kind of scratching that itch and going back. So just to see it, because it's the, the problem is with the William Regalbate, it's not they're saying that he's a great character or a great figure overall in wrestling, which doesn't necessarily mean you need to have great matches. It can mean great coaching, you know, great character on TV, all of these other things. It's great wrestler. Mm. That's the thing. And you could say, well, yeah, he's a great wrestler in the sense that, like, te- technically as a coach, like, there's that kind of great wrestling. And I know, I think I sent you guys, what was it, from the uh, power plant, a 60-minute video, a 60-minute match him and Robbie Brooks I'd had in the training centre, which I just <laughs> thought trolling reason is better going to watch this. This would be fun. Obviously, he won't. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like he's a great in the, in the way that some managers, yeah. you know, a lot of managers weren't great players, but they completely understood their kind of craft and the technical side of it. So that when it came to explaining it to others, but this debate is about great wrestlers specific. Yeah. And I- so you kind of assume if you're a great wrestler, you had great matches. Mm. And if we, if he had great matches, then they should be there and and noticeable. I mean, I despise the Elmore warrior, but I can think of kind of like one great match he's had. Even though I haven't
2: seen it in my like, fucking twenty-five years, well, it, is, it, it does open that debate, though. It does. Does great wrestler though mean great matches? Mm. That's, yeah. that's, other, that's that's the other thing. And that's the never divide. thought of that,
0: Gareth. That's a really interesting point that I've never considered in my life. I've never seen a film. Or uh, consider then consider that I might like things that aren't five stars. You know, noted Nick Gage fan expensive <laughs> <laughs> Explain more to me, how does that work? Can you like things without well them being five stars? I thought we were all grapple bots, I thought that's how it worked. The grapple head, grapple brain, grapple yeah. think, or whatever. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> That's what is it cuz obviously i mean obviously yes you can you know we've how many times have we had that conversation about like yeah you know f- star rating and you know giving out five star matches or like films has always been the best thing hasn't it you know we've we've reviewed films on this podcast that we've all gone out oh, what a great time we had three stars you know and, and star rating does yeah. often fall apart when it's you know it's the nice little opener you know it's the little 3.25 3.5 star opener that's perfect for what it is but you're not going to give it five stars. Like, obviously, you know, we know that. And, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's people out there. It's like it's like Randy Orton, isn't it? You know, wrestlers are going to wank themselves into a stupor about all the little things he does. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, though, just, you know, okay, yes, he faces the hard cam the right way. And, oh, look at his footwear. But does he have matches that entertain me? No, like, he doesn't. And I think, you know, obviously... And that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And obviously with Regal, you know, again, you know, people who... His style is very much to their taste. They're gonna love like the little things he did, and uh, you know, to to absolute silence in WCW, and the you know the little um, you know the the selling and his weird bumping and his awkward style, like whatever has got to be to to people's taste, and they're gonna like it and they're gonna respect him as a worker because of those little things he can do. But I stand by it. If you you know that's fine, and that's fine, You know, it's like it's like the guy who came to me and was like, oh, but you know the the Chris Jericho opener from WrestleMania Seventeen. It was like. Yeah, there was a nice little three three 3.25 star match, three and a half star match that was great for its place on the card. Is it in Chris Jericho's top 50 matches ever? No. And is that, a, is that an ultimate test of whether Regal was good at his craft or not? No. But if you're going to talk him up like he's the greatest of all time and not be talking about just the fact that he pulled funny faces when he drank some piss in a teacup, then you should be able to give me some great matches and people can't. They can't. But we'll find out one week. We'll find out on the mix. We will you do, will it,
1: in that new series called Twatting Sacred Cows um, <laughs> that, that we're going to be doing, where we're just deciding to piss off. Uh, in, in which case, can we do a Robbie Brookside tape then afterwards as well and just start really going after them, going, these lads are shit.
0: What's going on?
1: What have we all fallen for?
0: Start with the, uh, the clip of them walking around uh, Goodison with, uh, with, uh, with his, what was it, the, um, the all-star title. <laughs> on the Gullison pitch, were you working there at that time, Gareth? Any insight on whether Robbie no, Brookside no. makes a good cup of tea? Or...
2: No, no. I, unfortunately, I wasn't there. There, I was there when Stallone uh, came When Stallone came out on the pitch, um, yeah. slightly, oh, yeah. a, a slightly different level of calibre of person coming out on the pitch to uh, Robbie Brookside. Uh, Robbie Brookside there, but we were we were told in no uncertain terms not to look Stallone in the eye. Oh, Definitely no, don't really? talk to him, but don't look don't don't look him in the eye either. What's so, he going to do if you do? <laughs> He might leave the but stadium. He might, you. You, you might not get the walk around the pitch. You
1: know, really Out, outrage. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you look him in the eyes. He's like, "I'm fuck it. I'm off. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had enough. I'm not having it." Crew a uh, cruise. I wouldn't be surprised by. He's a Scientologist, and that cult is <laughs> fucking loopy, mm. and he's stuck with it to the bitter end. So I'd expect it from him. But Stallone, is well, this know, for the Creed, Creed
2: film? Is that? Do you, you know were what? About? D- Creed, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it was. It was. It was head. for Creed. And the you, belly Do you know stuff. what do you know what? I bet it was just his people, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. It wouldn't have been like he's probably not arsed. Mm. Just it's just his people, probably just not wanting him getting fucking mithered. But that's that's how I position it in my head anyway, because I like to think that Sly would have had a little crack with his had a brew if it had just been popping through the office or something like that and I had the kettle on, but maybe not. Did, maybe he's a did, prima donna.
1: Did they tell Duncan Ferguson, like, don't look at <laughs> the lobes. I wonder how that went down. Well, <laughs> Some fucking sweet chin music,
2: and oh, not, Duncan, not would, a, D- Duncan would have probably right. uh, Duncan would have probably strained his eye if he looked at someone, and then he would have had to like be lying in lying in bed with like an eye patch on for three months or something like that.
1: <laughs> Come on, <laughs> he beat the shit out of two burglars naked. That's some Eastern <laughs> Promises Viggo Mortensen level stuff there.
0: <laughs> there you go. No, the, the amount of like, uh, like Ever, Evertonians, like my uncles and stuff like that, who's like, I think that's one of their best days of their lives—the day Rocky came to Goodison. So it was like two <laughs> things that they never thought would. If only they knew the uh, the background of him. But I'm sure Robbie will say for some people. Can you imagine it when he was walking around Goodison with his plastic all star belt? What, like, the, the old men farting into the seats in the Gladys Street thought of that? Like, like what the fuck? How's oh, that scraggly looking, crackhead looking fella, a pro wrestler? Like, sorry, I'm starting already. Like, I, honestly, like, he's not exactly to alone, as all I'm say. And a great match at the Olympia, as, uh, as Andy's putting out in the chat, though, with, uh, with Chad Collier, that uh, sold a lot of merchandise at the. Uh, at the merch stand, as good, like, oh, so right. Coimbo, match
1: standards, everyone fucked off because couldn't be a That great unified review. God, I just <laughs> remember you going in detail on that. Fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, but I was going to say, while we're at it, should we talk the do other do WWE releases? We have got a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> we might as well, while we're in the flow, talk about it. Did the chuck get that, like, on oh, a serious note, you know, Regal being released? I know, like, that kind of started, but yeah. Mm. Uh, my talk and that's where the uh the, that's where the secret card stuff comes from 'cause you know, there was a lot of like, How dare you say this on the day he lost his job? Like, I mean, he's had a good run, you know what I mean? And also like he knew here, I'm not asked that he's uh the uh, the no restrictions as um is is not getting the uh, the food on his table, and he's fine with it. He's posting, you know, how happy he is to with WWE for a for a great career, and he's very very thankful, and you know, walking away with a bit of class. It's just something you can always say about uh, about Mister Regal. But you yeah. know, does it shock you that him among you know the other names in there, you know Road Dog? I mean, basically, it's a who's who of who who gets along with uh with Triple H and who are his people um, backstage, um, getting released because it is it is it is a major shift, isn't it? Because like I think Regal. Is, you know, as much as we, we all hate NXT UK and, you know, what it did to to the Brit Res scene, you know, he was he was a link to here as far as like Giving those British wrestlers, and you know some of them are better than others, uh, a leg up to the WWE system. He was known for you know poking his uh, his big big head through the curtain at PWG shows, and as a reason a lot of that generation of of talent got signed as well. It's uh it's clearly you know a continuation of this uh, this cultural shift going on in WWE as uh, Triple H loses power, and you know obviously Nick Khan and the money men behind the scene are, are seemingly getting their way. I
2: mean, I didn't. I mean. I didn't see it as that big a surprise, to be honest. I think, you know, with the volume of like, releases that they've made over the last few months, and then certainly with that, like, change in stance of NXT, where clearly it has been positioned as something different, it just, yeah, uh, uh, maybe, like, retrospectively, I'd have expected to be more surprised than I was, but it just it doesn't. It just seems like it's a case of, right, thing has failed. Let's just get rid of everyone associated with this thing that's failed. And let's tear it down and just build it back up again in an entirely new way. And even you know, when you look back, you know whatever it is, a few months ago, and you've got like Johnny Ace coming back in that position, and yeah, you know, that's you look at the track record of you know, I want to say the indie lads who who were signed and went through NXT and, you know, did well on that product at the time, went to main roster and, you know, the volume of them who haven't pulled up any trees and there's a lot of reasons for that, be it creative on the main roster, be it that they maybe spent too long in NXT, that, you know, whatever the storylines and you know character building stuff got burned out in in NXT too um, too much you know you know we've talked even on the NXT episode that we do on the Patreon about you know what even was you know NXT sort of lost sight of its purpose really and you know what it was supposed to be there to to do and it it, it went from developmental to super indie and super indie proved to be you know, negative. It wasn't successful for their for their their main products. What NXT was supposed to be delivering. So it kind of, you know, it makes sense that they're tearing it down and trying something new and putting fresh faces in there and you know i mean he had a good run he was what he was there 22 years you know so you can't in wrestling how how often can you say you've had a fucking 22 years stint with the company there's not many people who've got that level of stability behind them and they've had that level of continuous income for a long period of time as as well and you know i always say there's no fucking jobs for life is there in, in in wrestling so you know no wonder he's walking away from it kind of respectful and you know humble and thing you know things like that it's just uh, you know at the end of the day they're going down a different route because what he was involved in Failed and you know, mm. and you know what a what a great job he did uh, going to uh, indie shows and picking out the best lads and saying sign, <laughs> sign him, s- sign, him. He's go- he- sign him, he's good. Who everybody likes, like, <laughs> you know. G- great scouting, I-, I thought. You know, it was a top I, lad there. It's like the, I I uh, know, the league two coach him? going to watch Liverpool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like when Chelsea got bought by Abramovich, and their scouting policy was go after every player Arsenal wanted, just bid five million more. <laughs> Like, and they end up with Essien and Petr Cech and Didier Drogba. Like it's not hard. You, Dylan, it's, it's a football manager style fucking philosophy.
0: It is, and like to that point, Dylan makes a great point. Like you know, to be like he says, there, it's like they've cleared all the backroom staff and director of football. This is it is. It's like Triple H was the was the manager, and now all of his backroom staff, all you know, there's, all of his coaches have, have followed them out the door. That's that's what it feels like here. You know, that I think that's what what's happened here, and you know. For me personally, you know, the Triple H idea of signing all that indie talent and making NXT a super indie, if the main roster was more competent and Vince McMahon wasn't a crazy old man, I do think he was hand-delivered a lot of can't-miss talent that still missed because he's Vince McMahon. But to the point, you know, Gareth makes there and has always made, you know, if Vince McMahon doesn't want that type of talent, I think then yeah there was clearly something broken in the system which explains you know everything that's happening now and i think seems to me jp like a bruce pritchard's and Vince's here and it's been like oh no no these mm. these, these indie work rate midgets you know all of this money we've wasted on nxt which you know you can say it's a waste but at the same time you know developmental should cost money you're uh you know your academy players cost you money and don't necessarily make you a profit for for years in future but it feels to me that those type of lads have won the argument here, and yeah, you know the f- the fact that Regal's out the door, the fact that you know Triple H has clearly got no power anymore, the fact that you know there's a there's a long list of people we can get into who follow them out the door now, you know Road Dog being the top of that list, but right down to you know and and Allison Danger and you know other names of of that ilk um, being released, you know even Danny Birch and Tim Thatcher, you know Hideki Suzuki, Samoa yeah, Carroll, Joe, Dave Kapoor, we'll get into Joe. Um hey, Steve, yeah. never had a, never had a good match in his life. Mate, um, A Steel, you know, who's a who's, <laughs> a, who's a, a, a Triple H hire, Ryan Katz, you know, massive part of you know the, the Triple H um, side of things as far as writing the shows. <laughs> Like that's what's happened here, isn't it? There's been a shift in, you know, who's got the power, and there's a, a shift in, you know, philosophy. I think, and I think other voices of of one outside of Chipley. It just feels like a big su- Succession episode. Yeah, JP. I was I was watching Succession. Me and Steph were watching oh. Succession as this news came out, and it was like I just want to play the theme on a loop and just imagine the manoeuvrings backstage of like the man slash boy family, <laughs> like because that's what this is, isn't it?
1: Yeah yeah like kind of mad business decisions that are kind of happening and and kind of like turning on a dime and all the various backstabbing for it it's a yeah it does it's a complete cultural shift and and NXt and it does come back to the point of what was NXT for I mean personally like there are loads of other things that we would say well they should be looking to have like a kind of different diverse brand to main roster WWE. WWE, but that was never going to work with vince mcmahon mm. and it kind of felt as as soon as they went into the war with AEW, it was there but in terms of the piling of talent there was the the idea of these are the people who are hot in the indies who will sign them all but it was also as as much as anything to stop other them going to other places yeah but they don't seem to have that fear anymore it was all about not letting them go into particular new japan and like for a while, and then obviously AEW, but it was also, yeah, to prevent anyone, you know, the possibility was, you know, we're going to create a number two promotion ourselves in order to kind of prevent them from going anywhere else. That policy doesn't often work. And we're seeing what's happening now in terms of the cuts. And they're not surprised. I mean, I would always be surprised by the regal one, just simply because of the tenure and the fact that I kind of always had made an assumption that Vince liked him. Because of the amount of time he was there as well, that, that that would have, you know, would have been a reason why. But, you know, like you say, it's a hell of a run. What age is he now, William Regal? Like early sixties? I think he's
2: no much younger than that. I think much he's younger. Like, I think he's early fifties. Let's check fifty three, he is. He'll be fifty four in May. There will always <laughs> there
1: be a running. role for him in wrestling somewhere. There always no, the will be. No, not in the ring. No, that won't be happening. I mean, God, when I saw him, he was struggling to walk. So, like in yeah. in recent years, he hasn't looked looked kind of at all mobile. So, but there is still a place for him there. But in terms of them releasing all of these people, like there'll be more. Like I expect like the kind of wave of people who are signed because. And this feels like a Bruce Pritchard thing. When you talk about the other voices in the ear, it feels like a Bruce, typical Bruce Pritchard bitchy not only are we going to change direction, but we're going to actively go out of our way to remove anyone from it and from the kind of history of it. It's it's kind of spiteful when you think of it in many ways because they could utilize them in different ways or try to, but they're going back to it. And I think a lot of the times, the problem is their view of developmental is that OVW class with Lesnar and Cena and Batista and Randy Orton. And if it's not that, then it's shit. Mm. Then why bother? in the first place. And because it's not going to deliver that because that's freakish. That's basically a class of 92 to a certain degree, isn't it? That kind of comes through. You can't be pissed off that you're not producing six young players coming into your first 11 at a football club. Like every eight years, you realize actually this doesn't happen very often. And you've kind of, you know, you've, they hit relative gold for what they, they got out of all of them. But yeah, yeah they're not going to get that. So I, I, I always think at the end of the day, they don't know really what developmental is. I just think it's interesting that the ratings have gotten slightly better from mm-hmm. from where they've been, whether or not there's going to be any pickup for it. But I'd also say Vince gets bored and he'll get bored of NXT soon enough. Like, I think that'll happen. Once he takes out the people that he likes, he'll just think, well, what have, what have I got the rest of these lot around? I'll just get rid of it.
2: Yeah. Does it need to be on TV and things like yeah. that when the TV deal comes around again? I think with Regal on that side of things, I mean, you know, you have to take, you know, you have to, uh, as much as wrestlers are going to kiss ass and things like that. I think there's so, there's too many wrestlers who I respect who've talked about the influence that Regal had on their career and coaching and things like that. I think when you look at him and you, you know, I think he's someone who's got an incredible amount of value for wrestlers who want to, be wrestlers and people who want to wrestle in a, you know, in that style, you know, doing things properly, bringing nuance to what they do at a technical level and things like that. Is he the best person to be in there teaching like a brawn Breaker or someone like that? Probably not. You know, it's probably you know it's a it's a it's a totally different style of of wrestling that's that's wanted or needed for for that type of individual and clearly that type of individual that's flavor of the month of what they they're, they're doing now they're probably not going to be able to do stuff that Regal would want to coach them anyway, that the stuff that Regal would want to be coaching them stuff that Vince McMahon probably doesn't want them to be doing anyway, you know, sort of thing. So it just, that, that fits just, just not there. You know, I, I think as I, as I look back and I think about that point where NXT was at its height and you had like evolve getting bought out. I always think they should have just made evolve what NXT 2.0 is now yeah. and had a genuine development brand that is, you know, it's, it's, under the radar it's it's something that you're not trying to make money out of it's a sort of place where you can get your brawn breakers of this world and things come through and they maybe go to main roster or they maybe go to NXT or something like that but I think they they definitely missed the trick there by having that diverse product that's something else that you can you know capture a different audience and keep that super indie that at the end of the day was fucking you know it was selling out the barclays center and things like that you know it was doing good good business from from that standpoint to to to, to just totally walk away from that just seems berserk to 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 me but that's that's where Um, i'm at
0: you know, it was success- successful, you know, to a point. You know, like you say, you know, it grew and they, they sold out those buildings and it was for a while a hot, cool brand. And then AW came along and, like, I always point like that. Mm. I I, I- you know, one of the, one of the brighter moments of my Twitter week was uh, <laughs> was pulling off that. Uh, remember that uh, that Hall of Fame speech, with the Triple H show at, at the start of AW I had a little go at that that pissant company and they were ribbon poor Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn looks like a fucking biggest winner of the lot. Road Dog's gone, Got no time for that. Cunt. People talk about him as a, a wrestling brain. Like I, honestly, you know as much as I give Regal grief, like. Clearly, there's a place for him. He's gonna land on a seat. Someone's gonna give him a job. There's a lot of knowledge there. There's a lot of you know, you know, things that he can teach younger wrestlers, as you said, Gareth. And there's a lot of you know things to be mined there. Like he'll be fine. Don't worry about the shoes on, on William Ricks' table. He's gonna be all right. And he's, he you know, he is a clever man, and he does know a lot about wrestling, and he absolutely has got things to teach the next generation, like he taught, mm-hmm. b- taught Brian Danielson and like he's taught a lot of these these mm-hmm. NXT wrestlers. Rhodes on the other end, you know, Mr. Wins and losses don't matter. I've got no sympathy for that uh, that weirdo right-wing cunt getting released. But, you know, him getting released, you know, Triple H having no power anymore. Shawn Michaels, you know, I think he's a, he's a lifer. I think Vince loves him too much. But, you know, I'd be worried if I was him. I'd be fucking worried if I was, you know, Jim Smallman as well, if I'm if we're talking Triple H guys. But, you know what I mean? You look at that picture yeah. now, that, that gloating Triple H, and Billy Gunn's the one of the lads who, who's landed on his feet because he backed the right horse and... That's kind of what's happened, you know. I mentioned about it being similar to Succession, but I would fucking love, love to just hear the conversations that go on between Triple H and Stephanie about everything that's happening here. Like, because it is such a rejection of everything Triple H stood for. The fact that he lost that Wednesday night war to AW, it wasn't just stuff that we were going on about on the internet and on podcasts and such. Like this was obviously something that has upset Vince man, that they gave him primetime on Wednesday nights and AEW wiped the floor with them. Like, that is so, so marked Triple H's card that, like, yes, there's all this heart attack stuff that's happened recently, but, you know, it's not even like, I saw someone point that out, it's not even like when he recovered from it, there's been, like, this big moment where he turned to TV, or or if he had the heart attack, or if he, you know, if he has recovered, there's a lot of uh, conspiracy talk to be out there, but, you know, it it was obviously a smokescreen, wasn't it, for the failure that that Vince McMahon clearly, you know, sees Triple H as and sees this regime as whether, you know, we can point to, to little successes there or not. but also smoke. Yeah, yeah, it I is. It's a
1: complete outright rigid
0: so ahead, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, it's yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, in terms of like that, like kind of rejection of triple, it's just very bizarre to think how he fits in now at this point, how does he fit in, into this world? Do they just give him a corporate role? Because if the heart, you know, he's had a, if he's had a heart attack, then it's, there's a good chance he'll never go back in the ring. Hmm. You know, given his age, given his injury record, given his kind of physique and other things like that, you know, all those prayers and all those vitamins and the rest of it, you know, that's, you know, it's it's tough stuff in terms of his body as, as well as the heart on it. So where does where does he fit into to to kind of all of this? But that's a question that that lots of us are asking. But yeah, Samoa Joe, um, and you know, we're going to pretend he's a good wrestler again. I want people <laughs> to name five good matches he had. In August 2005.
0: <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> Done, mate. I'll give you 50. Now, I, we have, the thing is that we might as well just play the replay of the Samoa Joe audio when he got released the last time. Like, this is not one that should be a shock. Like, yeah. you know, Triple H signed him back after Vince released him. You know that caused some, that must have caused some upset. And then as soon as, you know, he won the, like, his last match here was in winning the NXT title. Like, that's his last match in WWE because as soon as he won it, Triple H lost that power. NXT became a thing. And clearly there was no place for, for Samoa Joe in the company. And we talked about it then, didn't we, you know? I'm not, you know, I'm obviously, you know, Samoa is probably in my top, never mind top five matches, top five wrestlers of all time. But even me, as a diamond mm. hard Samoa Joe fan, knows his peak was 15 years ago, like at least, like at this point. But I am, you know, quietly a little bit excited to sit to see. You know what he does outside the company, but I can't, I can't, you know, put him in like a, a, you know, there could be a, you know, big, big dream matches to do with him, and you know, little, little one shots he could do in, in various places, not just the obvious AEW, you know, mm. on a, you know, on its arse, potentially coming back Mania weekend could potentially do something with him. I'm sure Impact could do something with him, you know, if he's interested, you know, there's, there's little th- and can physically do it. There's little things for him there, but that one was always coming on It getting released twice, and he'll always be that trivia yeah. yeah. Ronnie right? Samoa Joe yes. right? at least twice within the uh, within. A year spanning uh, <laughs> WWE, but that one was always coming.
2: Oh, I mean, but with that though, as well, like God he's done well out of it, hasn't he? he's just managed to just uh, get a, get another few months pay out of the uh, get out of the situation, and he's back in the. Yeah. Back in the position that he that that he was, you know. And again, I think it's uh, I think it's one of them. I think he's he's another one who's you know he's got plenty of fucking options, has not he? He's got plenty of things that he can do, and he's probably going to do things that are more interesting to him and more interesting to the wrestling fans at, at large, really, you know. So, um, again, I'm not. That's not one that I'm uh, crying any uh, <laughs> crying any tears over. Uh, particularly, he's he's uh, earned plenty of money over the last uh, five you know five years as as, as, as well. I think uh, just yeah, just. Just interested to see what happens with that. Interested to see what he can do. To be honest, because I don't think he's looked like he can go anymore for three or four years, maybe yeah, even you know, maybe even even longer. So I'm not getting uh, not getting too excited. But again, I think someone like that, it's coming back into the, is out there in the um, in the waters and it, it is available. You know, where you talk about the likes of a Joe, where you talk about somebody like the likes of a Regal bin. Available, thinking about getting them a chance to get behind the scenes and work with the Lee Moriarty, get get to work with the Garcia or something like that. These are just people who I think can just again just bring bring a lot of these lads to the to the next level, and that's probably where I see Joe at uh, these days. I don't don't get your hopes up there
1: And that's what Joe's been transitioning <laughs> to, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Really. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful like for he was Joe a commentator for, for a long aside. time. I don't think it'll be good, but I'm hopeful for it. Uh, and I do say five because I saw four. it. Was well, in the Coffin G's guy though, and it wasn't very good. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful Hopefully, <laughs> it's not happening. He's not exactly Tim Thatcher being released into the waters, is he? Because he's another name there, JP, that's been uh, that's been put out. So, you know, that, that's somebody who's got to do a bit some, I think, hopefully, if he wants to wrestle full-time still, I can see he's offering more exciting things in-ring than, uh, than probably mm-hmm. Joe is at this point, as much as the... Uh, the ROH fanboy and me will, will, will still buy those those dream matches. I mean, Eddie Kingston, I'd pay for that. Him and Punk, again, I'd pay for that, but yeah. in a limited capacity. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's one-shots. It's very, very limited. The problem is, is that AEW, if you go backstage and for commentators, they've got too many as it is. Well, there would be a place for Joe if they got rid of Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho from Rampage. You'd be like, yeah, he'd be a really good fit. I actually thought he was, he was a good yeah, commentator bad. as well. And I and yeah it's <laughs> problem sorted like we re- resolved Couldn't even pilot that. That. Yeah, <laughs> like but like there's there's real value for like him there but I mean it's whether or not do they need someone else backstage coaching outside of that I think new Japan USA could do with samoa Joe in that kind of limited capacity using him in those short bursts I think they're kind of well suited for it new Japan would be a company that i think would get something out of joe i'm not saying you get naturally kind of like great matches and stuff because like you say it's 15 years past his prime but i think that they could get they could get some value the problem is this is where we get into the idea of they're not being that other major company for people to go to and spots being kind of filled for the most part um but they're good enough to draw like you know, your Northeast wrestling and your Warrior wrestling, and get them onto those kind of bigger, sort of more notable indie shows, GCW as well. Ooh, breaking if they,
0: news. you know of bringing in CM Punk, as Carla said here, for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he's not—I don't think he's doing an actual show, but he's yeah. uh, inducting Dave Prezak into the uh, the GCW Hall of Fame this weekend. Yeah, they could—they could. You know, they got that New York show coming up. If Samoa Joe turned up as a nice little surprise, that could work for GCW as well as you know using a Thatcher and you know having, as we've talked about having more diverse types of wrestlers that they use.
2: The, the, the Thatcher one for me is there where JB talks. New Japan USA getting Thatcher in there and working with some of them lads. It was on on that 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 would be a pull for me to be watching strong more definitely, and you know, and I think and and, and that then been a gateway for Thatcher to be doing some you know main roster new japan stuff potentially further down the line that's more exciting to me than you yeah. know i think anything that's cropped up as a result of any of these re- releases that just seems such a natural fit to me and you know unless somebody can tell me otherwise that Thatcher going in there and you know Thatcher been at new japan you like usa just seems to fit like a glove for, for me and oh god I'd, I'd be all over that yeah he
0: fits that style doesn't he? he'd be brilliant to be honest now that you yeah. said it like that Again, could also be a landing spot for Joe. Like Joe is pivotal in setting up like New Japan's like uh, California dojo. Like he's got massive history with that. You know, he was at one point a, a commentator on Raw. If he can't go go in ring anymore, he's he's definitely better than the uh, <laughs> the cunt in the booth right now. Alex Kosloff. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't even let him
1: near the building. I we just pretend I yeah. never knew who he was and we poochied the fuck out of it. Fucking outcast. Ah, Donovan's better than him. Oh, (laughs) Jesus Christ! Awful. (laughs) I mean, admittedly, I watched a great New Japan Strong this week, but like his commentary will always bring things down. But yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, the problem is with Japan in and of itself. We mentioned New Japan; it should also, you know, be remiss to say that Noah, where Joe obviously has a history as well, Mm. former GXC Tag Champion, um, like for him to go there would be possible, but then open doors, Japan, it feels like it's far too soon to start talking about it. So new Japan strong seems to act as a landing spot for everyone who is available to kind of work. Like, you know, I just watched Eddie Kingston on there, Jonah rocks on there. You don't know how many of these people are going to be doing like any tours of Japan, or are they just, there working because they can book them on a card and they want to get a few extra bums in seats. So you can kind of put them on there. I think someone like Samoa Joe would go down a tree.
0: Unless they bring back Mike Adams, because Carl as a as a year, but oh. yeah, well, well,
2: well done, JP. You didn't mention MLW either. though. <laughs> as a destination for any of them.
1: <laughs> I I think they've got to earn their place. Him and Regal <laughs> and Thatcher, whether or not they get to be in MLW. I mean, I think you know, go to New Japan, try your stuff there. If you do all right in AEW, then court will come a calling. At that stage, then you get in. That's when you get your big Alex Hammerstone match in there. There you go. You get it one day. with ISIS Regal. Yeah, <laughs> they would do it to Jerry versus Regal for the middleweight championship or something like that. Tajiri goes over. Jordan and Oliver, William Regal. Well, I'd watch that.
4: <laughs>
1: not saying, not saying it'd be good, but I fucking watch it.
0: <laughs> well, um, but no, I was going to say like, and that's. I mean, as far as like the other list goes, you know, people that got released as the backstage people, are, you know, your Alison Danger of the world, your Danny Berchers of the world. Um, that I wouldn't have shag- shied. You
2: end know, of, it, it, like- you know what my attitude to a lot of this, but that fucking Alison Danger oh. is fucking atrocious. Like the the way that they've treated her, it's disgusting and it's just yes. a, a total like if you almost like wanted an incident that just depicted the. Fucking mentality of this company. That then, then that is it. You know, for for her to you know upsticks and you know it was a kid's first day of school, wasn't it? Uh, that, um, yeah. that this happened just fucking atrocious. Like what a yeah. gang of cunts.
1: They did the same thing to John Morrison as well. But I did want to say actually about Alison Danger. Mm. I you know obviously she ran Shimmer between her and Dave Prezak. I think if you're AEW, you get her in as someone there to to actually kind of run the women's division. You ignore Kenny, you ignore Brandy, you don't bother with that. She's someone who seems like a serious person who seems to know how to, has a good eye for talent because the amount of women who came from shimmer who are on these, these kind of main roster TVs, she's in Florida. If she's moved out there as well, I think she'd be like a really good shout Mm. to, to kind of bring in. Because like I say, when you read that story it's fucking disgusting. Like, for that but yeah, get get her in there.
0: This is why I can't remember his name, it's like a videographer Kenny something, isn't it? I've definitely seen his work, Johnson Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he did like some yeah, a lot of like indie type um films. Yes, yeah. when he's been a teenager, I think he's been doing stuff, and he was saying he got the WWE job offer and like a lot of it was like, yeah, you need to move to Florida and you need to, you know, on a shitty wage, and you know, you're lucky to have the job. And he was wise enough to be like, you know, I'm probably not going to uproot my entire family, you know, for a contractor, as we found with the with the big, isn't ever really a contract, or at least it is for one side and and not the other. Yeah, that is, you know, if there's ever arguing for, for unionization and more, more uh, talents having more power, that's it. But I don't know. I suppose it does come. They just to mention briefly at a time where you know Mickey James has forgiven them. Are, um, coming back uh, for the uh, the Rumble, I suppose they could have used Alice in Danger there. You know they could do with the wrestlers. They got about six women's wrestlers on SmackDown, I think, in uh, in total. Mm. So Sixteen of them on um, on NXT UK. So you know maybe they'll borrow from there as well. But yeah, that the other thing this week they're announcing ahead of time rather than actually doing the surprises on the night for the Rumble. That, and they did specifically say this Knockout Champion. Mickey James uh, is going to be in the Rumble as well as uh, the Bella Twins were were listed in there as well. Um, I think Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, Summer Rae, Lita. I don't know if uh, Johnny um, H. Just yeah. opened his uh, his roller of uh, contacts from the uh, the mid two thousands to uh, to ring that back that great era of women's wrestling. But yeah, interesting that's happening. Interestingly, they uh, announced them ahead of time. Just quickly.
1: Yeah, very weird. Yeah. Um, like, because considering they all would have got big pops on the night, and it's not like they're going to draw. Well, they're not pay per views, aren't they? They're premium content events or whatever. <laughs> Bullshit, blue sky <laughs> thinking catchphrase <laughs> they've come out with this this time round. Um, so it's not like they're going to pop a number. See, so you at least want to pop the house. Mm. Like, sorry, pop pop the crowd. Like they'll they'll react to it. There would have been some great reactions there. if Mickey James came out with the Knockouts title. I get kind of advertising it ahead of time because. 'Cause obviously for them, she's not gonna win it, but she's not gonna lose the title or anything. So, like, it's gonna be one of these things where as long as they and they will probably do this now, eliminate her in twenty seconds or whatever, um, just out of sheer bloody minded spite, I think impact view it is a win win, don't they? There's Mickey James and she's got this championship and it it's whether or not they mention impact on air and do they talk about it in any kind of length because it's not like they talked loads about fucking all Japan when they brought in like Tenruin
2: or whatever is it it's <laughs> didn't start banging on about that mm. yeah. yeah it's it's a it's, it's a weird one i just think it's a weird one on a personal level with there uh, it just shows the wrestler mindset to me that like you're in that scenario where you get sacked, you get all your shit sent home to you in a fucking bin bag. You go fucking ballistic about it on social media, and then it's like, you know, you get you set yourself up on a nice little gig there at like Impact. As soon as the fucking Fed come right waving again and wave a check in front of your nose, oh yeah, I'll take that payday. You know, it's it's good for <laughs> it's good for the Mickey James brand. You know, to be to be there. It's 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 wild, isn't it? You know, you sometimes talk about these things, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're laying off all these people, and just think about the you know the impact that's having on people's friends who've been sacked and people's you know wanting to work for the be in the future and things and you almost like have these romanticized rose tinted like ideas that people are going to be like yeah fuck off we don't want to work for you anymore and you know we want to work in different places as soon as that cash is there in front of you cash is king isn't it at the end of the day you know mm-hmm.
0: do you think um do you think Nick Aldis answered the phone. They're like, "No, not you, Nick. We want Mickey." Um, <laughs> got his hopes up still. Put a suit after on after they've signed everyone. Not <laughs> him.
4: He's the most WWE wrestler as
0: Well, like and he's yeah. Think he's Richard had rates him from like TNA and stuff, wouldn't he? Like, yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> he
0: loves wearing a suit in the <laughs>
1: airport and me like all day, all day, lads. I'll be wearing that suit. I'll look <laughs> fucking great all day. He will. Not at all.
0: The greatest fake world champion of all time. Like, you know, he's. Got-
1: uh,
4: so
0: it's a, it's a um, oh, that
1: is the best way of putting him.
0: He's a great word, isn't it? You know, him as this great NBA champion, but he, put, he pulls it off. You know, That's, I mean it as a compliment. Hey, um,
1: him and Joe as GHC tag team champions in again. Noah were fucking surprisingly <laughs> good. I will always throw that out there. For a team that seemed to be thrown together out of spite,
0: they <laughs> be made than- that work. Be better than some of the lumps they've got right now, so uh, you know, on those under cards. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd take it, but nah, no, nah, I, nah. I I do wonder with the Mickey James stuff because it is, it is a little bit suspect, just a little bit odd. It does feel like you know, WWE, WWE maybe. I don't know, seeing what's going on with the with the Forbidden Door and AEW and stuff and I don't think they're ever going to seriously enter in a proper, unless they've just outright bought Impact and, you know, Tom Phillips turning up on the pay-per-view this weekend is a, is something we should all pay more mind <laughs> to you know, there's always the possibility of that but it, seem, it seems more to me that, like, they're just fucking around with Tony Khan, I think they, they've literally it's a reaction yeah. to the Forbidden Door stuff and AEW, you know collecting all this army of different promotions to take on WWE, WWE and I'm never going to throw impact more than this little bone of of mentioning the fact that she's the knockout champion. As if she's going to be on the show with the mm-hmm. belts or anything like that. I don't think it's ever going to go that far. But it's just like it's a little bit of needle isn't it? And a little bit of like, oh, hang on, they're getting gain a little bit of ground here. Let's let's do that. Let's we'll we'll shout. We'll give New Japan a shout. Maybe evil will be in the rumble. You know, I think it's going to be. It's a little bit of that. It'll be a passing thing. But I reckon it's come across the radar that this is happening.
1: I, I think WWE are booking the Ring of Honor invasion angle in, in in Impact. And as a result, like it's feeding through here. That's the big master plan. Is the That's that's what they're going to do, Benno. Um, no, I think, like you say, it, it's a reaction. They see this, they kind of think, let's get in on it, but they have no real concept of how to do it because they are completely, you know, they're sociopaths. They have no idea how to work with other people. They can't. Relate to that stuff at all? Cooperation, like piss on that. He cooperated with 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 companies in Japan because he had to because he wanted to draw a house in Japan. Do you know what I mean? That's what it was. There was never like it was just to be able to get gain some kind of a foothold. But like, no, it's it's very odd. But I think that we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see them react in weird ways to a lot of things that are going on because they're run by a loon you like stress to add with all of this, with all of their decisions, bloke's fucking maniac and he's gone. Like he is gone in the head. Like, and you know, you see him and he he doesn't look well. He doesn't look like a human being, to be honest with you at times, which I know is a horrible thing to say. So like at this point, the decisions they make, like get Mickey James in. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? I mean, the, uh, let's I bring in Masato Tanaka uh, as well while we're <laughs> here. Just shits and giggles.
2: <laughs> what are Impact Impa- like, though? Like, Impact have done, so- have been with everybody this year. What yeah. the, the fucking slut of the wrestling world, aren't they? The fucking... <laughs> uh, the, the, hey. They've literally had partners. They'll be literally slut-shaming. Fucking, All right, they've, literally, they've literally had fucking... Uh, like relationships with about six or seven promotions in the last 12 months it's absolutely unbelievable impact's
1: 20 years old gareth what are you saying you can make the decisions now at this stage you know
0: uh, the friends with benefits to bring back an older uh, podcast uh, title but uh yeah they like i, I do think like that was explain that. in a little way uh, our uh, aw of, uh, of kind of like this impact relationship just it just dried up didn't it it was just it was very weird just out of nowhere it was yes. like oh yeah they're not working together anymore i wonder how long these little conversations it's to be have gone and yeah i do think impact with their current place in the world you know they're not going to be Challenging WWE anytime soon. Just getting a mention on WWE TV is probably enough for them to jump out. They probably saw the the you know the AW experiment. They were always the the beta in uh, in that little uh, relationship. They were always the cockwinger. So they got to uh, <laughs> they got to experience that. They got a little bit. I think they got a With slight pleasure.
1: Bump, they were the cuck
0: Slight reason, <laughs> ratings bump for some of the the canny stuff that did uh, did wear off after a after a while. You know their their, their, their title belt was uh, was held up by AW for a while. I'm. sure it was worth it and then you know they they, they had their run and then you know wwe came calling and got a bit, bit more money a bit more uh prestige you know vincent man fl- uh, fluttered his eyebrows, his eyelashes at them and there we go they're jumping in with wwe now but that's the place in the world impact it kind of has right now isn't it it is we'll we, we say, might I'll talk I'll about say, at yeah. the
2: end but they've got some positive things to say about them but I hope we haven't just had a i ad just like drop into the middle of this podcast or something like that, just as we're talking about cunts, 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 cucks and sluts. Yeah,
1: those that ABC one demographic that's out the fucking window now. The advertisers, no more yacht advertisements,
0: inexplicably. Yeah. Uh, there's a few adverts that are, that are missing now from the podcast, but anywho, um, speaking of which. Uh, we're giving you uh, your Patreon uh, plug uh, earlier on Grapple.com, uh, Patreon.com yes. to grapple for uh, for our Regal Big day coming up and all of our other stuff, but we should get right into uh, some of the uh, the shows we've been watching over this last week. I don't think we're going to possibly get into everything today. Like you said, JP, if we have time, we will mention the, uh, the Impact pay-per-view later on, but can you believe it, lads? In the in the weeks since we did that preview show, there's been three Wrestle Kingdoms, three AEW shows, an Impact show. Me and Gareth went to Brit Res. There's been a been a lot going on, but I suppose we should. We joked about it at the top. We should kick off with uh, some New Japan talk and the fact that we have had you know three days a, a Wrestle Kingdom, um, two which had their issues, but felt a bit more like Wrestle Kingdom than maybe maybe the third. But three shows nonetheless i mean i don't even know where to where to start with it really as far as new japan's week goes i've I've got to say like you know, last Tuesday morning, getting up early for for Wrestle Kingdom and and you know throwing it on and you know the the Rambo or the the Ran the Ranbo uh, as I think it's is, is known now was on. You know, yeah. I was considering getting a Greggs in, but I made myself a sausage butty instead. And you know, I was chatting with uh, with a lot of people uh, online about what breakfast they were getting in. You know, for the the Happy Wrestle Kingdom occasion, which was probably more exciting and uh, and more worthy of uh, star ratings and some of those early matches, but. It felt to me like those, especially those two mornings, Tuesday and Wednesday, the thing that carried me through as well as a couple of, you know, very good matches to great matches at the at the top end of uh of each of the cards. The thing that carried me through more than anything was nostalgia. It was like ah, it's Wrestle Kingdom. It's like it's that time of the year. I've got to get myself going. You know, I've not really been paying much mind to to New Japan for pretty much the entire calendar year. I've got to get myself going here. Remember the great times. Remember all those great you know January fourths. Where I get up early and have a nice coffee and have a nice breakfast and watch these these great matches and watch these great shows. I was almost feeling like i you know forcing myself to get into it with the smaller clap cloud and the you know the not very good atmosphere and you know the not very good at least undercards is you know that we uh, talked about at length on that, that weekend preview last week. Yeah. I don't know about you lads, but I kind of had to yeah, will myself into getting in that mind state where it was like, no, it's Wrestle Kingdom, pay attention. There's a, you know this is what formerly one of the greatest wrestling companies of the world and you might see a, a match of the year candidate or two here. I don't know if your uh, your attitude was the same.
2: I definitely got up with a positive attitude. And I think on the previous show, I was talking about how, like, I think as it gotten near and you're looking there and it's, you know, January the 2nd, January the 3rd, you're thinking about the fact that it's Wrestle Kingdom, you know, you you know, I'd had, had that break from it. I was definitely, definitely, definitely up for it. I, have you know, shot out of bed that morning, like couldn't wait for it. Couldn't wait for a bit of uh, Wrestle Kingdom the uh, the mood changed though as I, uh, as I got through that uh, first day one I think on the preview I talked about how oh, I was looking forward to day one more than day two and um to say that uh, by the end of day one I was feeling like slightly uh, slightly deflated um overall you know going into that fucking main event I was just I was I was my all my enthusiasm had just been absolutely fucking beaten out of me up to the, to the, to that point so um yeah it was a, it was another case of New Japan excitement turning, uh, turning completely doing a 180, really, for, for me.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, you
1: it feels like we're a long way from when you would speak to people in the queue at Greg's um, and they often would be saying, what was the, the match <laughs> they were missing? We're a long way from that now, aren't we?
0: <laughs> Mate, um, taking that a they're not round. doing it. That old woman, you know. <laughs> but they're taking that tactic They the... put about ten stone on because I've been at Greg's for every match from match <laughs> one to six during that first day, and at least half of the uh, the second day. That's the problem. It's not just then. anymore, mate. There's a lot more uh, on that Russell than it that makes me want to do a Greg's run.
1: Oh, there is, isn't there? And 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 a, a lot of the kind of issues with New Japan are kind of really laid bare, aren't there? aren't they at the moment in terms of like the injury issues the kind of bad booking like the we were talking about it and we said oh that first day looks like it could be really good I was shocked to think that the second day was better to be honest with you I really was like I think given given the cards and that might be a controversial opinion in there but like, I, like when I watched it, it it was a real slog and I said at the top of the show, haven't watched New Japan properly in a long time. It was an absolute slog. The New Japan I've, I've enjoyed watching has been like New Japan strong. And yeah, I, I didn't have the kind of level of enthusiasm. I had a, just a bad vibe going in just suggesting that they haven't learned and they just thought a dome show would be a panacea to cure all ills in in new Japan. And it doesn't like that. There's still a lot of the, the kind of fundamental issues that are there. The most obvious one of which is, is this is not a two day event, not in the current climate. This is like a one day event, one big, imagine that you combine these, you can get the best matches out of both of them. Yeah. Not all of them would have been great, but you know what? It would have felt like a proper card. Whereas, like on that day one, like, and you're sitting through and you're going, oh my God, this is just all absolute filler that could be at Currican. Mm-hmm. And you really wouldn't give a shit. And here we are at the Dome. And I'll be honest, the idea of Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly not being there as well kind of gave it a very kind of, a, a, cheap's a harsh word because, you know, given the circumstance and the climate and everything else regarding travel. But it didn't feel good, especially when you used to know her and you used to Fulton and Pickering being there all the time. You know, the lads being there. And then you haven't got that here. And then, and, and to make a note on the commentary, Chris Charlton, dial it back, dial it back quite a bit because there's just these kind of him going off on these kind of epic tales of new japan's history like he's doing an audiobook for eggshells and it's just like oh for fuck's <laughs> sakes mate <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I, was
0: hey, gonna, I, I, was, I was gonna I, save it for the end oh were you <laughs> oh he, that's the thing he's like he's this sacred cow isn't he in our community because he's one of us made good like so people don't want to say negative things about his commentary but i i thought uh, yeah that's the thing. He's very good at translations and giving you those little facts. But when it's like mm. time to emote and like you say, he's reading out those very prepared like paragraphs of stuff he's got written down, word for word, and trying to build up the moment. I've, I've never liked it to be honest. Like, and it did come across. It, it might have just been the setup, though. It might have just been the fact that they were yeah. three times as loud as the actual audio from. You know, the, yes. the stadium and, you know, the production was pretty, you know, we, in general, you know, Kevin Kelly's sitting there with a the blue Yeti, Mike, the same as fucking mine, you know, like it's, it isn't the most professional thing and maybe, you know, picking up those little things a little bit more, but yeah, uh, you know. I think I'm a noted non-fan <laughs> of, some of Chris Charlton's work.
2: Of it, yeah. it got to the extent for me that I was thinking, like, does, does Kevin Kelly's like Wi Fi keep going down here or something and like Charlton's yeah. having to just like do some like long filling or something because he's like there on his own and just suddenly having to like plug gaps by going off on these long stories or something. He, that's the way it felt. He did on day two with when Naito
1: did the destino. And Kevin Kelly starts off going Destine, and it's a break, and then all you do know, is Chris going, "Oh, and like, what the fuck is this? What is going on here? This is this is. It's quite funny, but I don't think I should be taking away funny at, at this point. At this point in time, yeah, it, it, it felt like it, it, it lacked something. And I'm going to talk about commentary when we get on to the kind of Noah show on there as well. Yeah. But yeah, like overall, like. Uh, I Jesus, I just felt – I almost come away this week saying, I don't know if I – there's isolated people in New Japan that I want to see, but the company as a whole, like, I've not changed the downbeat opinion that we had. I don't think – again, it feels like we're kind of almost bowing out of this period of New Japan for a while and saying, like, you need to fucking improve. And then you step back in and you go, nope, you're not there yet at all.
0: I was going to say, like, you know, as far Looking as... Looking at you, evil. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a big part of the problem. I mean, if, it, if he Cuts. was... I mean, you know, if Tommy Rishi's, uh getting a, a rare uh, Wrestle Kingdom match and it's coming out at, uh, at least the last check, I looked, what, less than one star on the uh, on the grapple app. I think that, uh, <laughs> that tells you where we are. we are in life. But, I mean, that that's the thing. Like, other than roasting that match, have you guys got a lot to say about, like, the early card? Like... You know, I listened to the the flagship and, you know, those guys were doing match-by-match breakdowns of this stuff and they were doing it immediately after the show, you know, finished and a lot of this stuff is just, it is, it's just not interesting enough, is it, to kind of, you know, you're a meticulous note-taker, Gareth, but, uh, you know, detailed notes on, you know, some of these multi-pans, you know, the, the Kenta... Tanahashi multi-man on day one, that was just a set-up for day two, or like even, you know, stuff like... Well,
2: well, well, Sh- well, my, 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 my meticulous notes on that one are Tanahashi DQ'd for repeatedly twatting Ken, uh, Kento with a kendo stick, two stars. That is, you know, that, that that's as detailed as it needed to be, like it just,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. you know was too much of that like that's the thing on day one you know i loved shima turning up in the new, ba- new japan ramble that that picked me up a little bit uh, early in the morning mm-hmm. but that was cool and getting through to to day two and you know potentially they might do stuff with them going forward is interesting but that combination of those opening matches that's i can't imagine you're much like you say they can kind of much just saying you know yo and show went out there and pretty much shit the bed then there was that six man that yeah nothing happened then there was an osprey um six man that Existed for the sake of getting Osprey on that card against Lij. You know, we could talk probably in more detail about, you know, about, you know Shibata, where is which is where, in a little way, this this card kind of turned the corner a bit. But mm.
4: that
0: opening combo matches from the ramp down were just, I was regretting my decision to get out of bed.
2: Oh, that that yo versus show one for me was that that was the real kick in the balls that one to start nice. with because again on the previous show it was one where I'd sort of said like oh no I'm excited I'm glad yeah. that's the opener it's one that's going to set the tone it's going to you know it's going to set the tone for the day it's it's one where um, it did. Yeah, it did. Uh, ultimately, it did set the tone for the day. That was the, that was the problem, not the way you, the way of thought. But for, for I mean, fucking hell, them two, them two lads need to get their uh, Rick Martel and Tito Santana tapes out and uh, try and uh, have a uh, tag team breakup with a bit of fucking hatred in it and uh, a bit of something because there is like they they could have just been two generic people who've never seen each other before going in there and having a match against each other. There's absolutely no noticeable, you know, feud or anything like that, you know, between them going into this, obviously it's to add the absolute bollocks at the end. You think what these guys are capable of, if you think of the matches that like show had with Shingo a couple of years ago and things like, you know, how can the, how can these two who know each other so well, who've worked with each other so often go out there and have a match that just feels as bland as fuck and just, you know, really, really shits the bed. It's just, it, it was just, of not of zero consequence at all. And it's like, you've got a singles match on wrestle kingdom. <laughs> like this should, that should have been uh, knocking it out of the park or some opener. And it just was as flat as a fucking fart. And you think for it to become, you know, before them six man tags as, 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 as well, which ultimately probably were about of a similar level to it. God talk about setting you off on the wrong foot for the day. Yeah. Uh,
1: thoroughly bored really, I'm going to be honest, by these on here, a lot of the time, like the multi-mans, they just sort of washed over me. I was like, I don't give a shit. It's on because I feel some obligation to kind of, that uh, that we might briefly talk about these. But Yo versus Show, I just had bad vibes going into it, just simply because of how a show's been booked. And it's going to be a point that I'm raising that you're, you know, when they're training these lads... And they're doing, like, they're leaning backwards and arching their backs into those horrible kind of, like, what is it, those neck press training things. Do you think they hand them a wrench at the same time, saying, oh, by the way, we're going to work this into a match there at some stage? No. And this is part of the problem. that like, there's a lot of this where people are being asked to work styles that, frankly, they're not really t- trained, unbelievably, for New Japan. Um, like, you know, when you talk about, like, you know, You'd imagine the dojo system brings out people who can deal with most situations, not some of this stuff. Because it's not like you know when they're on excursion they're going into a time machine, a fucking nineteen eighties Memphis, aren't they? There's all manner of silly shit going on around them. So I think they're just being asked to do things and work styles that they're not suited to. These two lads could go- could have gone out there and had a kind of quite heated, hate-filled kind of brawl with some good spots in there, and I really wouldn't have given a shit who's won. Except I'm annoyed because Sho Tanaka, I always thought had something. And now I feel like uh, he's going to be one of those things we spoke about when they gave him a shit gimmick in a shit stable. And it kind of, he never quite got over the baggage of that. And by the time he maybe does anything, it's a bit too late because the bloke's entering into his mid 30s. So you haven't got all the time in the world to fuck about with this stuff and fuck about with him, they have done. But then the whole house of torture thing, I think, is just a heat killer for the crowd. Yeah. I think they they hear it and I think they switch off because you hear no reactions to them at all as well. And they can make reactions. I know we talk about clap crowds and people maybe wearing masks and the rest. They make noise when they want to make noise and they didn't want to make noise. And I think this was the first bit of it because they see it, they see House of Torture and they realise, oh, if you thought that bullet club stuff we used to complain about was bad, well, we've fucking taken it to 11,000. And they just go go berserk on it. So, yeah, like, I, I looked at it, I gave it two stars. I was tempted to go one and a half. More kind of out of a level of disappointment because I just, I, again, watching this, just thinking, Jesus, I couldn't wait for these two to break up. And bizarrely now, I wish they'd be back together. Not because I'd like them, but, but they'd both be in better spots than perhaps what they are. And they might get junior title runs, but it, what will it matter if it's wrench-ridden bullshit?
0: One of those things as well where, like, it's WWE stuff where, like, Show is just a different human being now. Like, he wrestles completely yes. different. He's a million times more cowardly. He's afraid. He's ducking and diving. And it comes across so false, doesn't it? It's just fucking... Mm. Like ghetto like and his memphis tapes and you know bringing in dick togo apparently is a you know a big fan of like 80s you know heel dq stalling type wrestling it's just you know in a, in a time where there's so many other things going against new japan like it just makes things like even harder doesn't it um and it just yeah, makes it even, even a tougher watch i mean yeah i i went a star a half for that opener and felt generous to be honest like that is that was the type of match it was and I think you know, like I say, those those mean and the six man's also being on this undercard, card. That was the match that needed to deliver to get these shows to a to a good start, and it just didn't. It just didn't. Um, but I'm sure we'll have um, more House of Torture moaning to get onto in a bit. But like before we get there, I, I do think you know going through this this undercard very quickly. I think I do think at least one bright spot on this card was the Shibata. Um, Stuff yeah. that we got on this day one that woke me up, like that got me going again. Um As far as like interest in like this the show goes, uh, I did feel like you know in the moment, you know we'd said ourselves, hadn't I mean, we, in the build up to the show, you know who's the mystery man going to be? If they've left it this late, surely it's a big name. And actually, I think the the alternate theory was probably right. If they've left it this big, this late, it wasn't going to be a big name because they'd you know they probably advertised the uh, the fucker if it was they put him out there with Ren Narita who's, who's one of his one of his lads isn't he and you know it's a nice little moment Ren Narita was multiple times during this match where I, I looked down at my phone to send off a pithy tweet or scroll my timeline look back up and it took me five seconds to work out which one was Narita and which one was Shibata um, you know Shibata's in much better shape but you know he, he's very much like his, uh, his mini me at this point isn't it? but I do think like and if it you know I take it as a as a shoot based on what Meltzer's uh, reported this week I think that did open the door or if, if being Rennerita for Shibata to seemingly go out there and call an audible and announce this was going to be a, a proper pro wrestling match rather than the uh, the grappling exhibition that was uh, that was advertised, it felt like a shoot in the moment. It felt like, as Kevin Kelly said in commentary, that the uh, the ringside people didn't really know he was going to get that mic, and he went out there and he did it. And you know, this was probably my other controversial take of the week, where yeah, pe- people are gonna, you know. Concern, troll, and be worried about chapata and his and his uh, and his poor brains. But at the end of the day, I think you know, I think having the uh, concern for the uh, the bodies of people who fall on their heads for a living is uh, is not something to tie up on my agenda. If he wants to wrestle, fuck him. But he can wrestle. And as far as I'm concerned, he gave the show. A bit of life because i was sitting there on my couch just like yeah mm. yeah, i was banging to this didn't turn into like a you know four and a half star match or anything like that but as far as a, a 10 minute bit of entertainment it was the most excited i've been for anything happening on a, on a new japan show in a while and it was a, yeah, a fun little you know 11 12 minute match the idea
1: thank god he did that mm. thank god He like he bloody well needed it um I put in brackets next to Ren Ren Reader's name. Good Brian Lee is what I thought. Because this felt like a good version of what the Undertaker's match was. Where you had two lads kind of cloning each other, but somehow it worked. And, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it's not the headline grabbing choice, but it was the right one in the reader because it kind of brought out the best type of match and with and it had a storyline in there as well that kind of worked i also thought when shabar came out i was like look at the presence he has compared to so many of that like sort of new japan mid card like and this is a guy who when he was like really active in new japan you know we're talking like sort of your 2015-16 um he wasn't at the top of the card you know, he was an upper mid carder who had a load of charisma. Like when are they going to like pull the trigger on him? But we always thought because of the way he left the company, there was going to be a lot of bridges that need to be built along the way as well. But he just sort of oozed fucking star presence in charisma. as Then if this guy was able to come back and wrestle full time, you'd be putting him in that fucking main event scene before, like very soon. But obviously that's not something there. I, I thought, like obviously it was going to be worked in a way where you know there was nothing around the head. It was it didn't get too grapple fuck I thought, and it kind of went into the the kind of the shit kicking contest, which is which was kind of fun. Um, I thought had got a lot from it, and if this is what Noreeta is going to be doing, then. This is one of the better returning from excursion gimmicks. And it's not like I was massively impressed with Ren or and like New Japan Strong, because again, it was like physique wise, he looked very different to everyone else's there because he is rather slight and it's not necessarily a big physique. But I thought his fire was good here. I thought he, you know, was someone who, you know, that's a tough position to be put in because potentially you could be injuring him. That's that, you know, you know, I'm not saying that's concern trolling, but, know, but like there is that position and he, and he dealt with it really well. And I thought he dealt with the pressure of the occasion really well.
0: Yeah. And he got to, yeah, I've got to be smart mm. about, you know, what you do with him and, you know, the type of match he's in. And that mm. is it, you know, safe pair of hands. He's going to lead the match, do what he's comfortable with. Hasn't got the, you know, it's not a semi-main event, never title <laughs> match where he's sort of punched <laughs> in the head. You know, it it we've seen it before with with New Japan. It's Homer, isn't it? You know, they still fucking wheel out the corpse of Hombre and have him work matches. So, I think this showed to me that like Shibata can work and can do it, and he's probably. Let's all be honest. Like, if people are up in arms about this match taking place, and yes, he went against New Japan management. You know, that probably isn't great, but he's he's probably having these matches four times a week in the New Japan dojo with the lads. You know, are you gonna stop yeah. him? No. So, yeah, pessimistic business brain makes some <laughs> fucking money off him.
1: I, I can remember speaking at WH Park about this and we always theorized that the reason we went over to States in the first place is, is whether we could get some sort of stem cell research into whether like go, go and see other sort of neurologists as well and see about whether or not it'd be him coming back. It always felt like a kind of a weird one that a guy who could speak zero English was going to move over to Japan, move over to the U S to train everyone. And you know, are we going to get him back? I don't know, but like, a bit of this, it, it, it livened things up,
2: I'll tell you that much well they've got them doctors in the US who they can take your brain out, can't they and uh, wash them <laughs> under a tap or something like that and they then did. put them back in, in and then it's all alright what, Katsyuri
1: <laughs> Steve Martin you mean, like a fucking man with two brains doing two of them at the same time. they pulled out his brain and put it back in <laughs>
0: if we've got grapple brain I don't know what Meltz has got <laughs> <laughs> that's just Wait, a lot of look. <laughs> how I does mean,
1: that it work? Wh- I'm not a do- I'm not a brain surgeon, but how does that work?
0: It's sci-fi. That's how it works, mate. Nowhere else. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's fucking is, re- it is fucking reanimator or something like that. I don't know. But um <laughs> it's um I, I don't know. It was a it was it was definitely a point on the on the card when um I don't know I got more into it it was obviously interesting he has got that star presence it's good to see Mark and things like that I mean, I I enjoyed the bit where he got the mic and like before he spoke to test the mic that was on, he fucking like banged it against his head, which I thought was a nice little touch kind of thing there just to, rather than tapping it with your hand, banging the mic on your head, I just thought it was a a nice subtle little little thing. The match itself, for me, I think people have gone a little bit overboard on it personally. Like I went like 3.25. It was a, to me, it felt like quite a Mean Potatoes style of match. It just felt like kind of, I don't know, any any technical match that could have been a TV match or something like that. You know, I saw four star pluses flying in on the app at the time and things. And like, it's averaged out at like 3.66 on the app currently, like, which, you know, Fair, fair enough, but I don't know whether or not it's just standing out in a sea of you know dirge that came before it. Whether it's just that nostalgic element of Shabbat in back and things like that, it was good. It was fine as a latch kind of thing, but I, I do think that some people went fucking overboard about it. It wasn't a you know, it wasn't it was good, but it wasn't that good.
0: Are you saying you can't enjoy matches that aren't five stars? Like what kind of what kind of wrestling? <laughs> that's the man in regal's the one career though um, no like I'm, I'm the same. I really I enjoyed it as a moment I am not a I'm not a grapple robot and, but I'd still give it three and a half stars you know what I mean like I was seeing a lot yeah. of it seemed like the, I don't know what the average is on the app right now Garrett, but it seemed like a lot of like three, 3.75 fours and like you say a lot of people going higher than that but uh, again in the it was more a moment meetings. wasn't it it was a Wrestlemania it was a Wrestle Kingdom moment wasn't it to see Shabata <laughs> back in the ring something <laughs> approaching a match And, you know, everything that came along with it, it was more that wasn't it than it being a compelling four and a half star match. Yeah, and I
2: think it is just more that kind of like opening up the idea that when we have been that kind of like malaise about the you know, main event scene in, in New Japan, this idea that, like, you could get him come back and inject something into, you know, if he is capable of doing more matches that aren't exhibition-style matches and actually working properly in the future and things, it's definitely something that's an exciting one to throw into the, to the mix at the top of that card that's had the same lads for the last couple of years, you know, just doing the merry-go-round there, really. So it's kind of a little bit like... Hope more than expectation on, on on that one as well, but again, it's it's something to be excited about. Which is uh, take anything you can get with New Japan when it comes to excitement at the minute. Definitely.
0: Well, the opposite of that followed this, and then we'll probably skip through a couple of the other matches here, but Evil and Toma, the, the opposite oh, end of that scale, Eva and Tomohiro happened at this uh, this point on the show, and yeah, not to be dragged down by <laughs> again this this house of torture stuff and get it to the same talking points, but. Yeah, she so given less than a star for a for an Ishi match on a Wrestle Kingdom. That tells you what you're in for here. Nobody, nobody, yeah. like I can't remember who made the point, but like, who is there anyone out there that enjoys this? Does anybody? Is there anybody sitting there going, "Oh, this is great. Got to see evil, you know, do his slow plod around the ring and get a chair and do some cheating behind the, the the the, uh, the referee's back"? Oh, I'm so sports entertained. Are there fans out there that exist and enjoy this stuff? Or is you know, I know we're the hardcore of the hardcore, but is everyone like us because this was like this was shockingly bad. Like for to even consider giving an Ishii match that low. And part of me thinks maybe it's more of a protest vote on my part, you know, a one star is probably something I should reserve for, you know, TNT on a Sunday afternoon rather than, you know, a match between two competent. Yeah, I'll even say this about evil professional wrestlers on a on a wrestle kingdom, but it was just so Opposite to to what you want from from each year in this position, and just so, just yeah, a great example of what's wrong with New Japan this last year and why Evil was so high on all of our our worst wrestler of the year uh, polls uh, when we did the, uh, the show behind the Patreon paywall. Yeah, and I think it's just like.
2: It's just the repetitive formulaic nature of it all, isn't it? It's just like, there's the chair shot. There's Dick Togo with the ref's distraction. There's Dick Togo choking them out with the thing. He's the, you know, he's the ball shot. Kind of, every, it's just creative. the same shit every single time. Just turns out maybe in a slightly different order, but it's just the same bollocks all the time. You talk about like whether or not it's just us reacting to this or, 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 or not. Well, you know, when New Japan have been able to sell more tickets in the last um, <laughs> two years, they haven't necessarily achieved that in a lot of occasions. When they've uh, when they've been able to, and at a, and where you talk about clap crowds and cloud crowds not been able to make uh, noise, you know, just go through day and see the point where like um, Naito and Nakajima, you know, faced off there for a uh, the crowd actually reacting to to, to something. Yep. That, you know, they will still react when the um, what's put in front of them is of of interest and good, and it is just deathly. Sad. Silence with this. You've got Kevin Kelly there, for can tying himself up in knots, trying to, um, you know, kind of almost t- tell the story and justify the, you know, the the role of evil and uh, and the house of torture and what they, you know, they're what they, what they're doing to the to the fan base and it, you know this been this actively turning off and all it like it's just it it, it none of it just makes any sense whatsoever that seems to be having just like a negative impact on the product. It has fucking a negative impact on one of the fucking greatest wrestlers of the last decade. And Tomohiro issue is basically put him in a singles match with anyone. And it's, you know, he might as well chalk up 3.75 as a starting point because it doesn't, you know, from a match quality standpoint, it doesn't get much worse than, than that to have him put in this position and it just be just meaningless, absolute, you know, yeah. nothing. Just what a waste, what a waste of time.
1: And it was it was the usual match formula, but in kind of overdrive. So the referee looked even more stupid than usual, which is the problem with all of this, is that entire credibility. And this is why I think I went 0.75 on it, because I think on principle I didn't want to go to one star, is it was so bad because you could just feel the crowd kind of see this. Oh, why is the referee doing nothing? What's going on here? How comes he's got up very quickly from being knocked out here? And it's just tiresome and it's an overkill. Since Evil has turned, these crowds, I can't think of an occasion where they've reacted to anything he has done. And we watched some of those big matches, and they've not reacted at all. And you don't blame them. It's, it's a wholesale rejection. This is where you get into the how much influence the Dick Togo and Ghetto has. Either way, it, it's just not working. It isn't something that is working for any member of it. All right, it might work for Yujiro. He seems to have gotten a bit more exposure. But did we need that? It's and, and like you mentioned, you're talking about one of the great wrestlers of the 2000s, or certainly the 2010s in, in Tomohiro Ishii, being completely wasted. And for years, we were talking, oh, wouldn't it be great for him to get like a big, meaningful ma- match on a Wrestle Kingdom? Well, instead, they've managed to give him one of the worst matches in the wrestle kingdom. And I'm including the weird shit with fucking those Gracie brothers who turned up and they were absolute <laughs> dog shit as well. Cause at least that had a novelty value to it and it didn't fucking drag. And that's the thing about evil is it just drags. It feels like whatever momentum a show has, he brings it crashing to a halt because it's just so, so dull, so predictable. I mean, I, you know, I think it was between him and Alexa Bliss for worst wrestler of the year. And I think that kind of sums it up that he was he, like the fact that he should even come close to Alexa Bliss, given some of the matches she had in 2021 and he, but he seems to be going gunning out all out for that crowd in 2022 because he seems determined to deliver a level of shite. But, it, and I have to say some of the blame go a lot of the blame goes with him. I think he wrestles in what yeah. looks like a very lazy, lazy, unenthusiastic uninspired style so we can talk about the booking as well it's him it's like he doesn't give a shit but he looks like last time i think he gave a shit really about wrestling is when he had those couple of good matches with okada beat him in a g1 and then they had a title match and they weren't exactly like match of the year stuff as well very very good matches up against i suppose the greatest wrestler in the world at that particular point in time that's what it took to get a good match out of him. So we're kind of fucked if this is what they're going to be doing. And I'm, I'm, I honestly don't think they're going to do anything about changing it. I think they just think like this is good heat. We need heels. This is what we do. And they're stubborn, so they're not going to move away from it. But yeah, this was awful.
0: It was, it was, and you're right. You know, I think that is a. We will all pedal out the bucket and we'll blame Ghetto and we'll, we'll. We're playing the cunt on the outside as well, but evil's still the one in these matches, and yeah, I think they could give him a full repackaging at this point, and I still want to, wouldn't ever want to see the cunt wrestle again. Um, but you know, from here the card did a little bit of it like I say, if the mini turnaround was the Shibata moments. You know, we've got a couple of decent upper mid upper card matches. You know, Yoshihashi and Goto against uh, the Chi and Zack Saber Jr. and um, Andespi and Hiromo. So if we can talk about them before we get into the, the you know the first big main event of the, the two days. Uh, I thought the, the tag match I mean to be honest on both of them it went 3.25 and three and a half so you know and maybe not as high as uh, the average but it was a you know compared to what had come before at evil and he shall take it any day you know the tag was a it was a decent enough tag in that we got you know we got the, the nice moments at the end as well with you know Taichi and Zach mm-hmm. Sabre wanting to, uh, to put over uh, Yoshihashi um, against character type so that was a, a nice little moment and yeah, I wasn't as high on the, the Despy Hero match as uh, a lot of people were out there. But again, even that thing, you know, uh, them them two lads going a million miles an hour for the first five minutes of that one was at least a change of pace from what, you know, the evil match and the other stuff that had came before it on the undercard, you know, still taking place in front of a clap crowd. Maybe that's why I'm slightly low on the star ratings. Maybe there is a, <laughs> an upper limit on what you can do in these moments. But yeah, these felt like matches that felt a little bit more king to me, even if they weren't set in the world. delight.
1: I like i Can I say I like Goto and Yoshihashi as a tag team mm-hmm. simply because they don't give a shit about their tag teams? So you might as well give it to two people you're not really doing anything with. Goto is perfect for that role. And like a Wrestle Kingdom, I, I'll always say it, he does turn up and they've got some good double team moves. Like they've got some good chemistry together. I've no faith they're going to do anything decent with the run, but it was a nice little moment. But I went three. because again, I I think when I was watching this, this is like the fatigue was really starting to set in. Like I was depressed after that evil match. I was watching this, I was like, okay, right, here we go. Um, And I thought, yeah, that's perfectly fine. In in terms of the junior match, I think it just suffered from a fact of like kind of that current day New Japan where I'm looking at both of them and I'm thinking, Despy should be a heavyweight for one. I think he's got the build and the physique and I think he would add something different to it, but also Hiromu shouldn't be here. And him knocking around with the junior seems ridiculous like at this at this point in time, which is why I enjoyed the kind of, in particular, the, you know, the joint show with Noah, because it felt like he was in a different environment for once. And it was a bit more exciting to kind of see him there. So I think there was no, you know, and it didn't have anything close to that kind of best of the super juniors final from 2019, which was a fucking great match. And I highly recommend people going back and watching. So these two guys have it in them and they've got a long kind of storied history, but I mean, Ultimately this match I went three and a half. It was it was good, but I just I just wasn't into it.
2: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I just echo. You know, I don't need to add too much detail <laughs> given how much else we've got to talk about, but just very much the same kind of thing. That tag match, yeah, good, fine, 3.25, reasonable, you know, good, good fun, good solid, you know, match that was, didn't have me jumping out of the seat. You know, Hiromu Despia was probably one that, again, I was like quite excited for. Obviously, previous matchups between them had been, you know, absolutely excellent stuff. Um, started at 100 mile an hour which was a great start but it just sort of yeah just never hit the heights really for me and it was something where again I was thinking is this is this a me problem here <laughs> kind of thing now that I'm just I'm, I'm just bored of this card and I'm just like feeling underwhelmed generally and I was wondering if I was carrying it into that into that match at the, at, at this point but again I'm on, on rewatch you know I've just it was just it was just a a fine, perfectly fine match. It wasn't a Wrestle Kingdom standard match that you'd expect from Hiromu and uh, Despy, and you know, it was. It, it, it was. It just sort of felt like it was kind of there. It definitely didn't feel like semi-main event status um, either. And and I mean, for me, obviously, you know, that just carried on and just fed into the to the main event. And you know, I was literally at this point. I'd been watching it on my laptop. I was like come on, do something to try and spark yourself up. Like it's, it's a Carter, it's Shingo, you know, two fucking great wrestlers have had great matches. This is going to be amazing. Like let's go and, um, you know, hook it to my TV, hook it to the big screen, try and kind of just get myself up a little bit more. And I was thinking, how can I be going into a wrestle, uh, into a wrestle kingdom main event, like, with this mindset that I feel like I'm needing to try and wake myself up and get myself like engaged in a, in a, in a match that's, that's due to come and literally everything, you know, almost like if you go previous to that Zack Sabre junior stuff, you know, the, the nice moment with Shibata aside, everything was just so low, you know, it was so, you know, uninspiring, you know, nothing to, to, to get you excited about it. And, you know, you know, you're looking at this as a day as a whole and some of the potential that was on this card that just didn't deliver, deliver you know. God, you know, you talk about sort of like bringing them down before bringing them back up with the main event. I couldn't have been any lower at this point before a, before a card of Shingo started.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it was, I wasn't, mm. I think the, I would say that the rest of Kingdom fatigue hit me more on day two than it did on day one. But I get what you're saying. Like there were definitely moments where, you know that's what we're talking about, the main event, where I had to kinda of smack myself and go, No, this is a rest of kingdom event. <laughs> you need to you need to pay attention. I mean I I do think, you know, there's a lot of problems with New Japan, you know, like I say, I think there was a great night of commentary. I think the atmosphere is a are dire. You know, I can't I do struggle to get into to clap round stuff. The booking is terrible, you know a lot of it's repetitive. It's not exactly, you know, fresh new ideas happening at the uh, the top of the card here. But that said, they did drag me kicking and screaming into this spade event. Like, I did get into it. I'm not going as crazy as, you know, people out there, you know, giving this thing, you know, five stars and, and above, Probably settle about four and a half stars, maybe to be honest, with a bit of hindsight, 4.25. I think that some of that to me, probably, so like, I think like, like there's a, there is a ceiling for me on clap crowd matches. Like, I'm even, you know, I'm the same when you know, when you guys are raving about, you know, Noah or whatever. Like, it's the same thing there for me. It doesn't matter how good the work is, it is hard to, to get emotionally invested in big matches when the crowds, you know, are as they are. But, you know, I would say this main event day one, and it happened even more so in day two, the crowd did get into it you could hear you know more audible gasps you know the the strike exchanges where you know the clapping along you can you can feel they into it even if you know in the weird silent moments it it does still feel a bit odd but to me you know this was kind of this did feel like Wrestle Kingdom it, it was your typical low car the match that are that a James eel will hate you know your 10-15 your minutes at the start that don't always come to anything and then yeah your hot 15 minutes kind of closing stretch but well, I see those critiques with uh, with his uh, style. Nobody does us better at those hot fifteen, you know, twenty-minute closing stretches because they can go that long. And this was one that didn't, you know, I'd say it's welcome for me either. I, you know, I think it was just a bit over thirty minutes, wasn't it? As far as um, you know, a big um, Okada Dome match goes, I suppose, leaving something in the tank for the second day. You know they they probably could have gone you know another five minutes, but I, I kind of appreciated you know that that levity that you know it was only about a, a thirty five minute match or so and yeah I bought I bought on the near falls I enjoyed you know the the creativity in there I enjoyed you know the the the, the, the rainmaker counters into into um, into Shingo's finishes I enjoyed all of that stuff and while the brain you know part of me was maybe like there isn't a chance Shingo wins this match the heart side of me. You know by the end of it was maybe not with the, the level I am in previous Wrestle Kingdoms, kind of standing up on my you know at, at the edge of and sitting at the edge of my couch and you know almost jumping up and down in the living room as they got to these finishing moments. Because at the end of the day, what's really cool about this and it's gotten forgotten, I think, and you know how bad New Japan's been for a couple of years it's fucking Shingo in a Wrestle Kingdom main event, yeah. Like Shingo is the IWGP champion coming into a WrestleMania main event, and you know Okada looked. In great form these two days, looks in the shape of his life, mm-hmm. and you know Shingo is you know one of the greatest of all time, and he's gonna go out there and, and give you a match like this. So, yeah, you know he, he's one of the the few positives I think of this little period. It's a shame his title run happened when it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's happened, and if that is you know it for him as far as like a top line new Japan wrestler, you know maybe if he doesn't you know get the belt back again, I thought this was a a great way for him to drop the belt and. It did, you know, maybe it wasn't a five-star match a year's past, but given the circumstances, I felt this was as good as it could have been.
1: I think the best analogy I'd I seen for it was Mark Buckle D um, and his excellent reviews on post, where one of the things he said is, in a Carter main event, it's like watching a kind of, it's like watching a big blockbuster film where there's gonna be, it's going to be formulaic, it's going to have its tropes, there are things you're not going to like about it. However, ultimately, they're, they're a lot of fun. And I felt this about this. I went four point two five because, like I say, I, th- I was feeling a kind of fatigue when when I um, when I when I was watching it. And it did have the kind of typical Okada, you know, very slow build up. That is there. That's part of his matches. And I, and I think it's just one of these things where we kind of, it, it depends. I, I think there's something interesting, more interesting happened in the second match in regards to that. The kind of, I thought they they slightly kind of broke with it and went more at a pace. But ultimately, I think I was like, I looked at it. It was the, res, the result was always going to be there as, uh, as well. I always thought Okada was winning. This is how it was. But it's the fact that Shingo's there. He's in the main event, like you say, of a Wrestle Kingdom. It's Shingo Takagi, someone who we didn't think was going to be like even getting IWGP matches. He was going to be slotted into the Tomohiro Ishii role. Now he feels like he's a legitimate top-line player in New Japan, like someone who is regularly going to be in main events that you can cycle in there because... Do you know what he has great fucking matches that's what he has and you know and at 4.25 it seems like that's almost like quite low to what some other people have gone for it no it's a it's a really good match nay excellent you would say and i can understand why why people went higher um as with all this stuff it depends on where you are at that particular point in time
0: i felt more cautious than if Garrett's going to say the thing but like i what about to, i think next week's spotlight's going to be our top 10 matches of the year podcast I'm looking at like some of the four and a half stars I gave out for for last year's Wrestle Kingdom, and I think like I gave a couple of 4.75s out, and I can't remember a fucking thing about like the matches I mm. went that high on. Like I feel cool. I feel like ah, uh, you know, don't don't get swept up on it that. just because it's Wrestle Kingdom still clap card wrestling. It's it still can't be that good. That may be more cautious than anything.
2: Yeah, I think it was one of them. It was like it, that was definitely in mind. I know we talked about it yesterday. in and about like thinking about the matter match of the year and thinking back to the stuff there that's all, that's on there from earlier in the year in New Japan that you just kind of can't even remember really. And I, on, I mean, I, I had to go back and watch this again because, like, literally at, at, at the end of this match, I just felt like I, I, I really, I just. The, I was so down on the whole card up to this point that I just couldn't get engaged in it. I just couldn't concentrate. So even though like I was saying there, I tried to like whack it on the big screen and try and like immerse myself in it and things, my mind just kept wandering and I just couldn't kind of like follow on with, with, with with what was happening uh, with it. And it, you know, I thought to me, it was just like the prime example of something that's good. That's going on in front of you with two great, great wrestlers who I really like that, it just showed the impact of the what the remainder of a card can can have on the mindset and feeling going into it, something like that. Because I just wasn't feeling it at all, and 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 it, it I'd, I'd almost kind of like checked out of wrestling them before, before this point, and and the fact that it didn't pull me back in was felt a bit telling to me that like it it, it should have succeeded in. Pulling me back in, if it was this great five star match, or um, at that you know at that absolute tippy top level, you know I was walking away from it thinking like, yeah, yeah, it was it was good, you know, (laughs) you know, solid four star fare or something like that. I subsequently went back and watched it again and watched it in a different mood, and you know, I have I did it significantly enjoy it more. You know, I, I something you know that resonated with me more strongly on the second watch was the whole you know. Um, money clip Storyline in there because you know I can vividly remember in my mind obviously the G1 match and Shingo getting beat with the money clip and you know seeing the the way they worked around that I thought was 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 really good stuff it was you know let's like I say I, I enjoyed it a lot more second time around but still I mean I've only gone four point two five and I say like only you know four point two five is a fucking you know excellent excellent you know rate in there that you could be be given something but it just again. For me, this one just didn't – it just didn't – pulled me in in the same way that some other matches between these two have pulled me in in the past, past and certainly some of you know okada's other wrestle kingdom matches have, uh, have pulled me in really i don't know they just felt like there was something there that was slightly lacking and maybe it was the crowd maybe it was the disengagement with new japan over a you know long period of time or something like that but um but not an absolutely elite level match not a match that i'm going to be going away and thinking about you know, in two years' time, oh, I'm going to throw that Akada shingo match on again. I think it definitely feels to me like it's going to be one of those that kind of slips into the, you know, the, the the back of my memory, to be honest. And when people talk about Shingo Okada from this year, it'll be one that I'll probably struggle to, you know, think of, uh, think of too many points about it, really. Um, and it wasn't enhanced by afterwards, you know, Osprey hitting the ring and Cutting a <laughs> god awful promo. That was just. It just felt like schoolboy pantomime or something like that to end to end a Wrestle Kingdom with you know it was like small town pantomime affair. Oh, that was bad. If you know, and that uh, you know on game. the day that was just that, the final nail in the coffin to just take me out of there, uh, take me out of the situation. Yeah, it's rough. Like yeah.
0: The, the whole uh, <laughs> character thing. It, it comes across low rent at Rev Pro. You know, this is the Wrestle Kingdom. This is one of the biggest shows of the end. I mean, maybe the Japanese crowd are loving it. Maybe there's something lost in translation there where, you know, they don't find it as uh, as cringy as we do. But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I've got I've got good things to say about Osprey the Wrestler when we get into night two. But, yeah, this uh, this mm-hmm. character isn't for me. No,
1: not at all. But we'll talk about him when we get into night two. There we
0: go. Well we should let's get into uh night 2 did you did you like lads move uh, mood improve much um on night 2 i mean i would say night 2 had the the better selection of matches i don't think it was mm. you know head and shoulders above night 1 but i don't think it had as many of the low moments it basically did not have um, Ishii versus Evil in there, um, and you had add a couple of more, you know, meaningful undercard matches in there. A couple of pre-show matches that delivered above, you know, the level they should. Um, you know, a second day, you talked about the slog of you. You know, you guys felt going into the main event of day one. Day two is where I just felt the slog of fucking. I've got another whole day of Wrestle Kingdom here, but yeah, you know, the, the matches themselves, I think, were a, were a bit of an improvement on uh, on day one. <laughs> I, I woke, I, I don't know,
2: I was just in a significantly better mood watching <laughs> day two of the yeah. rest of the I, I enjoyed it so much more. And even like the pre-show matches, like there was just things that I was just getting out of it. There was just elements that just felt that little bit more, you know, meaningful. So, you know, on that, you know, I think it was the second match on the pre-show. It was the tag match where it was like Tenzan, Wato, and Kojima against uh, Suzuki gun And like <laughs> Wato, you know tapping Despi with that, like, nice-looking submission where he had, like, the arms and legs cradled cradled and cranking the neck, and, like, you know, I didn't think for a second that, you know, that result, that outcome was coming out of that match, and it just, it was something that just, like, Shot me awake very early on, and I, I, I got a lot of enjoyment. I, pop, I literally popped for Watto, getting the uh, getting the win there in that scenario, which is something that I, words I would never have expected to uh, saying. but that, it, it just felt like the start of it just had a different vibe about it, and we just felt, felt that a little bit more fun, and I kind of, I don't know, whether it was because the previous day had felt a bit of a left, left out, maybe my expectations shifted or something, but... I was literally watching you know, the third match of the pre-show, and I was thinking, like, oh, fucking hell, I'm having a lot of fun here. I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying this. Okay, it's not like, you know, it's not Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom kind of thing, but it's, it was still feeling like an enjoyable show at that point. And, yeah, I kind of felt significantly more upbeat. Yeah, same here. I, I, I think it just, like you say, it's
1: the structure of the card like it just sort of felt like I, I was fine with the juniors being an opening match on a wrestle kingdom in terms of like the real show, because do you know what? That's kind of what their role is there. You know, talk about the stardom match. I kind of enjoyed that. At least that felt like a novelty as much as anything else, you know, and, you know, going through our, I, yeah I, I've got thoughts on the on the the kind of no disqualification match. Um, I don't really have thoughts on Sonata Great o'connor because that kind of washed over me mm. in a, in a sort of two and a half star haze, <laughs> I would say. Um, but yeah I, but I actually thought the main event was better as well. so I mean overall, I enjoyed this I, I did enjoy this card more, which wasn't what I was expecting, but I, I suppose it didn't help it at half the crowd. So it's 6,000 on night two, as opposed to 12,000, which I've seen people because they want to apportion it to Will Ospreay. But that, isn't really, that's not the case. Yeah, year, it's more the about the idea of January 5th. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's more about January 5th than mm. than anything else. It, mm. it's, it's And you think about the big sort of level of ticket prices they'd be charging as well. It's, you know, and a restriction. It, it, it wasn't going to do as much, but I'd still say it's a bad number. I think that's more about the idea that the 4th is the date that people in Japan have, have set in stone.
0: Yeah, it's funny because there were definitely years past where they melted to a bar. I'm sure we probably talked about in our podcast that Why but it always the fourth of January on like a, you know, a cold Wednesday morning. Why can't they just do the closest Saturday or Sunday? You know what I mean? And this is why because <laughs> there is that tradition there. And yeah, you know, and there is also the fact that two years in a row there was no concrete main event for night two. I mean, I know I think last year did like in the seven thousand range, and this did in the six thousand range. It's like a thousand and a half mm-hmm. difference for the day two, but it's a similar level of drop off and i don't think yeah you can apportion that to uh to one and it's you a cooler product an, you can, yeah you can apportion it to the cooler product i think overall as well so i think it's a it is a stretch as much as people uh like to do that but um i mean yeah let's let's start there we'll, and we'll clean up on you know the the rest of the card i mean you said there jp you thought the osprey was uh was an improvement did you gareth you know saying you were, you were more into this this day two um did, did you go higher on this one than you did the other day one main event
2: yeah, I went 4.75 on the on the main for, for day two I, I thoroughly enjoyed this you know where I talked about like some of the issues with the uh, shingo match that I just felt like just I don't know just didn't connect and just didn't suck me in as much this was one that I felt like mm. I, I couldn't take my eyes off to, be, to to be honest I think it was one that uh, for, again for not necessarily being in invested in the character that Osprey is playing at this 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 level within the New Japan either, but, you know, fucking Elk, you know, get him in the ring in a main event like this and he's got his working boots on and God, he just pulled the, pulled the works out and, you know, when you're in there with a Okada who's in absolutely like tip-top shape, you know, motivated to be main event of Wrestle Kingdom as well. I, I just, I, I thought this was just absolutely first class stuff I think the I think the speeds that they worked at at various points and it was just smooth as silk (laughs) um, throughout those periods were just absolutely fantastic you know the some some great you know high spots there obviously it was just things with like the you know the moonsault off the rigging you know a card and missing the dive over the the barrier on the outside um with, with Osprey you know kicking him before he did the uh did the moonsault there I thought the the sequences towards the the end where you know there was all you know that whole build up around you know Trying to land Stormbreakers and like Akada landing a Stormbreaker and then Osprey landing a Rainmaker, and you know, the finishing sequence built around, you know, with obviously the Hidden Blade and Stormbreaker and Rainmaker attempts and things. It was just, it felt, I, I think a big part of this was it felt more unpredictable. I knew Akada was beating Shingo on night one. I just, there, there wasn't a percentage of my mind that I thought Shingo was watching this match, whereas there was an element of doubt here. As much as I thought Okada was probably walking away with the belt, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't consciously kind of say that. And I was biting on near falls. And, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, Okada was was in peril and he was going to lose at certain points as uh, as well. I, I think for this to effectively run to the same time as the match on night one, it felt like there was a lot more to it in terms of the actual action mm. that happened within the match that just kind of meant that you you couldn't look away kind of thing you you had to you you had to be invested in it you know it was it was something that you know it just pulled you pulled you in and it, it just it just felt like it just had that little bit extra something it felt more heated it felt Oddly more aggressive, which when you think a Shingo match should feel more aggressive, but this one felt more aggressive to to me in term, in, in terms of the way that they, they worked as well. But, um, you know, this is definitely one that, you know, I will go back and re-watch and, you know, I can confidently put this in at 4.75 and know that when we do our match of the year lists at the end of, you know, end of 2022, start of 2023, that I can... You know, comfortably, I'll remember it, and it'll be it'll be one that stands the test of time a bit more. So for for me personally,
0: yeah, it's interesting because like first watch, I gave this four point two five stars. Um, I almost didn't want to punch my rating into into the Grapple app because again, I saw five star ratings coming for this one. And I was like, am I just is this just my Wrestle Kingdom malaise? Is it my own personal ceiling on these types of matches? But I did go back and, and rewatched it today, and I bumped it up to four and a half. And like I say, maybe watching it, you know, away from two days of exhaust and Wrestle Kingdom, you know, helped um, the match in that regard. But yeah, I can't argue with a lot of what a lot of you're saying there. I think I still personally preferred the the Shingo match to the two if I had to separate them, but I can't argue with a lot of that. You know, the creativity, you know, in the in the, the closing spots here and the you know, as good as the counters were on day one. You were a, a step up on, on day two. I felt like the crowd was more with this than they were the the day one one, and even though they were into the day one one, like I say, even though it was a clap crowd, you still had that those moments. This one, you know, whether it was the osprey, you know, silly moonsault on the outside, or it was when they were exchanging forearms and the people were clapping in in unison. To the point you keep making about evil, JP. That's when you know the people are still into it. You know, like there was a audible gasp when Osprey did that moonsault, and then a couple of other moments. You know, in the in the in the tailender of uh, this match, where you could tell they were invested in the result and yeah i think that says everything that you know the caliber of wrestler that's in there that they can pull this response even out of a new japan you know Mm. clap crowd in 2022 after two days worth of wrestle kingdom again this felt like a worthy wrestle kingdom main event for me i don't know if you've uh, gone higher on day two than uh, than day one yourself jp I did. I
1: went four and a half. Um, I think partly because I knew the result as well. So because I, I this one I had to catch up on later on. Um, however, and I echo a lot of the thoughts that you guys have said. I mean, I thought I just thought there was a much better flow to this, much better pacing, much better structure. It felt like the it felt bigger and a bit more spectacular. And you mentioned about the kind of moon salt that's the kind of thing that kind of makes it stand out and made it feel that bit special when you see the replay and you realise like, you know, there's there's a, he's avoiding like a kind of a big metal bit that he's climbed onto in the first place. There's, you know, there's a lot of fucking risks here. Um and that it's it's kind of all the better for it. It's also the fact that there's a much more of a story yeah. with them. And that's not to, you know, if you end up with Shingo versus Ospreay, obviously there's a story, but with Akada, it's the whole getting him into New Japan in the first place. It goes back to the match in Rev Pro. So it does feel like there's a lot more kind of stakes. And I think that hardcore New Japan base in the crowd are much more invested in that and they, they were going to react. And it was, it was just sort of like a, a lot more of a livelier match. I did think Okada was going to win because I just thought that's the, I always, like I think with New Japan, you go back, they will always go back to conservatism, whether or not I agree or disagree. And I think ultimately they think Okada is that he is their guy at the end of the day. Um, and you know, th- they're at the point where he's really kind of in that prime of his career as a, as a wrestler, but he's also getting to that point where he'll be in his late thirties soon. So you have to start thinking like he's not going to be able to do this forever, but, um, this was this i thought was was excellent and you know a, a, a brilliant match from both of them they have amazing chemistry it's not like they don't ever deliver do they and you know it's what it's one of those things where you know you think between osprey shingo and akara they kind of saved these shows didn't they really for what they were because you I mean, like Jesus Christ! I, I wouldn't have had faith if you'd had like a Naito in there, or even really in a Bushi, given what I saw of him in the G1. I
0: fucking when Naito stumbled out to a uh, to Chanduka, like I was all like all hyped up after you know. Even you know, like I say, I was a bit lower um. because of the the, the 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 nature of the two days. I was still you know. Could recognise had seen a great match in front of me I was kind of hyped up about it, and then Naito ambles out to set up yet another Okada match. I was like, "Yep, oh yeah, this is New Japan." You know, as much as you know, we don't like the character, and there's people who you know hate the person with Osprey. They have with Shingo. They have clearly elevated you know someone fresh to you know the top level, and he is someone who you know he's he's come from being a a junior in New Japan to being a legitimate Wrestle Kingdom. Main eventer, you know, and having matches as good as this one and the, the previous, you know, Okada matches, that's still, even though they've done run to this match a few times, this felt fresh. Okada and Shingo, maybe less so, but still, you know, there's a dynam, dynamic nature to both of those wrestlers that makes me excited about it. Naito won the and just the idea of, of Okada just makes me think, you know what, I'll be back next mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom, lads. Or maybe the G One if you have got proper crowds back again, because I'm not hacking that.
2: I thought it was done. I thought a card and was, <laughs> I thought we'd had that. We'd, I thought we'd seen it through. And then when I saw, again, that same, when I saw him ambling out there, I was like, oh, if we, you know, I think it was, I think it was about the belt that uh, JP made this comment, but I was definitely thinking, is this like, what you in Dallas kind of stuff that we're, you know, we're just going back two years and it's like, okay, it's a car on top and let's just forget that anything has happened in the last uh, two years. And let's just, you know, restart from where we were at that point. Mm. Or something. I was, I was thinking, come on, we're just screaming out for something fresh and new here, you know, here and something now on the back of this to just make you think like, oh yeah, I'm excited about, you know, what's to come. You know, there's been a lot of shit on this car, but there's been two good main events there like give us something good at at the, the, the top end and that definitely wasn't one that um, that that got me excited and thinking that I was uh, I, I was needing a tune in. But I tell you what, just to your point there previously, can you imagine if a Carter didn't exist, what these two cards would have looked like? Say, if, say if he'd been injured this this year yeah. and he, he couldn't yeah. have been on these Wrestle Kingdom cards or something, or yeah, COVID. What, what the hell? Oh, yeah, what the hell does New Japan look like without a Carter?
0: God. And yeah, and to be fair, to it's, him a, it's, as well. an, it's yeah. an absolute state. Mm. It is, it is. And to be fair, to him, he's uh, looking into, I, I, like, the shape of his career too, you know. And that—that's mm. looking motivated. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not excited about a Naito match, but maybe there are other matches you can still do with him as a as a top, you know, as the considering the quality of these two that will will still draw me in this year.
1: I get the impression with Naito that like physically he's not he's not there at all and uh, they're at a point where they're just looking at this in a, in quite kind of you know clinical terms of Naito's a big star card is a big star we'll put them on top we'll maybe get those few extra tickets in there it's 50th year of new japan so they're just going to go out there to try and drive ticket sales because that's their primary driver for their for their business is the live event business mm-hmm. so they're going to do that but and i think they look at Naito of like do you, I don't think you can wait for Naito and trust that he'll be available in four or five months' time because I just get that impression with him, like particularly when it was like a knee injury, his last thing we took him out, and he seemed to come back very quickly. For a man who spent that long out with a knee injury before, spent like the guts a year out, it, it feels like, mm, you know, you, you we know, see this happen in football. You know, if players come back that bit too soon and you're like, oh, I'm wary. Looking at you, Danny Welbeck, you're just like, hey, you know, two games and he'll be injured again. Um, and, and, and with Naito, maybe you just have to go in this direction. Is it exciting?
2: Absolutely not. i tell you what, though. I mean, to to be fair, you know, if we're looking back further down the card then before this, I think given that I wasn't necessarily excited about that, I did get a fucking lot out of that Jeff Cobb now. Match. Yeah. And I'm definitely feel like like a high man on this. Like I went four stars on that match, and you know, I've looked, you know, on the on the app, it's averaging out at like, you know, just under three point seven five. I saw a lot of ratings coming in that were even lower than that. People going like three point two five. I, I I loved this. I, I really, really enjoyed this, like uh, I thought um from the from the start really That I love that spot where Jeff Cobb was doing that suplex where he was just holding Aww. Naito up and he was just like ramming him into the ring post before like completing the suplex on the mat I, 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 I loved that and then like when he was like back in the ring and Cobb was like continuously like battering Naito's back with you know power moves and stomps and he was standing on him and he was smashing him back first into the turnbuckles and stuff really just like working that injury obviously from the you know, what's gone before and the day before as well. You know, there was the, the Cobb knee injury that he was selling like a fucking trooper. It was so, it was, what a great sell job that was from from Cobb, you know, in that he was clearly disadvantaged. It wasn't stopping him in things early on, but then it did disadvantage him later on in that he couldn't land, you know, certain power moves and, you know, ultimately like his knee giving way, going for that tour of the islands and night who, slapping on that calf slicer you know like that was something that was you know it was just so logical and just you know worked in so well and then obviously then again he's he couldn't land a move at the end with his you know his knee went and which opened the door for night to land the destino like like this is what i this is what i like about my wrestling this is what i want for my wrestling there was like good logical focused story within the match where there was the knee and the back that were being worked respectively by the two people in the in in the match to you know ultimately try and come out on top you know playing into the injury from what had gone before this was this was spot on like i, I, I really really enjoyed this and you know again just to reiterate stuff I said previously jeff cobb is just getting better and better and better and you know where you talk about like freshening up the main event scene fuck i wish jeff cobb had gone over here and Jeff Cobb was the one walking out at the end of night two to challenge a card. That's a match that I'm fucking, you know, I'd be fucking excited about, you know, right now. And I'd be, I'd be chomping at the bit to see that, you know, I'd be excited getting out of bed that morning to, to, to see that match. And, you know, and obviously the, the implications that that would have within the whole United Empire storyline and things. I'm sure it's probably coming down the line, you know, from the way that they've built Cobb and the way that he's developed over that period of time, but it almost feels there right now and it feels like it's something that could be a bit of money in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got that written down. I, I kind of thought to myself with the benefit of hindsight, if you wanted to do something new and different, you put Cobb over Naito and then you have Naito doesn't really lose anything from that. And then Cobb coming out after Osprey loses and kind of maybe staring down Akada is a perfectly logical thing to do. And then actually have just the Akada speech. That would have been the perfect kind of way almost to end it. And while he wouldn't win that match, it's a good, it it's just establishes him around there. I mean, I think he's really found himself. I didn't go high on you uh, as this, I think, going three and a half on it. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I, I mean, I think as well, I always had my mind, the great match he had with Shingo last year. Yeah. And he just feels like he's found himself. After all these years, you know, that aggression, you wanted to see that aggression from Jeff Cobb. You wanted to see these kind of things from him. You know, when you, when you, when we would see him and talk to him, he's quite a nice affable bloke really. Um, but here he, he does feel like he's found himself. He's kind of perfect for new Japan for what they want and particularly what they want from their gaijin. And like that tour of the tour of the islands. I love, I always think it looks really good. He photo bombed that picture, Benno. That's the hilarious <laughs> thing about that one. There, we wanted, to, we wanted a picture with Stephen Flutter and it was like, Jeff Cobb just dived in front. It went, all oh, right, that's all very good. And well, can we have a picture with you now, please? <laughs> like, you know, it, it's it, it, God love him. But like, it, it's one of these things I think where like Cobb in this next year, regardless, he's going to be up and around there. He's going to be, he's going to be in big matches. I'd I'd expect to see him challenging at some point for an IWGP title, possibly on a smaller show, or if they did one in the U S or anything else along those lines. And I think the way that they built him, they
2: can actually do that. And I always come back to the fact that the, did G one before last? He beat Osprey clean, and then he was mm. then then he was part of his faction. Like about two months later, that feels like something that wasn't just put there for no reason at all. You know, leading into this this storyline, he's looks. You know, he's looks like the um, leader of this faction a, a lot of times uh, this year as well. And you know, again, that's 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 an area where if he keeps this form up, you know, we always talked about Jeff Cobb being someone who could perform. You know, on the big occasion, work up to the level of somebody else—that kind of thing. I feel like that consist level of consistency is just something that he's just—it's—it it, is really just found that 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 he performs again and again and again. And whether it's the talent that is in there, whether it's finding himself, where you know he's—I almost feel like often he he didn't work his size or. He looks more of a threat now. He looks like he looks like a killer, I think. And you know, you definitely take him more seriously and more credibly in some of the things that he's not doing anymore, some of the you know, more athletic stuff that that he used to throw in there. It feels like he's maybe scaled that back a bit and gone for some more like vicious hard hitting stuff again. And yeah. I don't know. I almost feel like I'm on an island, but I fucking loved this match. It was really good.
0: You're a tour of the islands, mate. That's what you are. Um, <laughs> <bit funny>. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I suppose while we're, we're wrapping up the phone, we'll probably have to be quick because we uh, we have got all the stuff mm. to to get to, including more New Japan stuff. But like, you know, Tanahashi Kenta, you mentioned that um, earlier, JP. I mean, was that ever a match you expected to see on Wrestle Kingdom? Like, I can't say I didn't have a laugh watching it. Like, it was funny. <laughs> I don't know if that, yeah, a <laughs> semi-main event on a Wrestle Kingdom card, you know, with Tanahashi. Yeah. in it. I should be laughing at, but I was, you know, the dodgy ladder and the you know, the wacky, I mean, it was the the guitar. Hot, well, yeah, the guitar, yeah, and Jeff Jarrett-esque. It was, I mean, it was funny watching it because you could tell Tanahashi being the wrestling, you know, god ears and the way he stood these things, like, this wasn't a GCW weapons match. This wasn't just violence and violence' You can tell he's trying to make a story out of every little moment and make her all mean something. I don't know. There's part of me that just I'd rather just see some violence for violence' sake than than trying to you know do an artful spot without with a trash can, which ended up caving in Kenters face anyway. So that's a yeah a negative anyway. So even though he tried to uh, to do it that way, it didn't quite work out. But it was odd. It was a bad fit. It shouldn't have happened but I did get a kick out of it. I mean, I landed on the three and a half star range for that reason. Like I say, the, uh, that ladder spot was, was something else with Kenta falling you know, face first into, into that bin and having the hard way blood, which did give it something. And then, you know, um, the high fly flow spot, um, which obliterated um, that table was, was a cool visual. And they did build something using the plunder and it did make logical sense. It just, Probably shouldn't have been there in the first place, should it? And if we'd have just got a straight up Tanahashi semi main event, I think this card would have been all the better for it. Whether whether he could have gone higher than four stars with uh, with Kenter at this point in his career, I don't know. But I think that's more what I would have wanted to see. Even if I did get some enjoyment out of it.
1: And I think it's what this audience, I honestly think would have would have been much better. Is having a class- I've written down on here just a classic Hiroshi Tanahashi match at the Tokyo Dome and they would have been perfectly happy. Instead, we had one of the more interesting elements of the whole New Japan NOAH stuff taken out as a result <laughs> of this, and that's what kind of pissed me off, I think, more than anything else. I went three stars. I, and I I agree with a lot of the points on there. It, it just was needless. They didn't need to do this. And, like, you know, setting up of the ladder, which got polite applause, which is probably more than what evil, Got fairness for like any point over these two nights, but again, I come back to the point they're kind of not trained for this stuff, and that that ladder was like too high for a start compared to like an American far too high. And it was so, enormous, when... yeah. it was ridiculous. It was as brittle, as they, they like doing? that, that in the flats you. with that, are they? <laughs> Is that what they're doing? Jesus <laughs> Christ. You use that for mansions. What possible need do they have for a ladder that size? Possibly like in the day, just like get a normal one. It was. Because then like you realize how high up he is and he fucked his face. Was and Mary his dog rest. died, I think as well. It's an <laughs> absolute fucking stinker of a week, Kenner, I feel for him.
0: <laughs> It was very, like, Brit Res, wasn't it? Like, it gave me immediate memories. That I was trying to tag with the uh, the shitty brittle ladder in the ballroom where it's like, we've all seen ladder matches on the telly, you know. So let's just, let's do a ladder match in, in Brit Res and then somebody goes around to home base or Ikea and figures out that actually our ladders aren't made quite like American ladders and you probably can't do a proper ladder match. And it felt like that, but in Japan, where it was like, give us the biggest fuck-off ladder you've ever seen. But unfortunately, it's built for a... 150 pounds soaking wet, painted to climb up. Not too big, fucking yeah. heavyweight wrestlers like that is. That's the difference here. Not kenta It's not Alex Zane,
1: is it? It's not Ricochet. You're putting up on there. Fucking kenta Not exactly known for diving off ladders and the rest of it. And he like, and I always look at those trash cans of the way they look quite soft. I had to reevaluate that opinion after his face because it was fucked. Wasn't it properly like, oh, this is grim? And Tanahashi looked pissed off afterwards. Like he just sort of felt bad that Kenner had gotten injured. Not bad enough that he didn't deliver a high fly flow from near the top of the ladder onto him as well. Still went through with that act. But, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I went three stars, but I have to say, like, I, I'm not happy about it. Like, I, I very much echo waiting if you listen to his review on that, where it's just like, for some reason, I was just like, nah, I'm not liking this.
2: I've got slightly different slant I suppose. Like given that I'm not normally the fucking plunder guy or the deathmatch guy. Like this was the one that at the start I was like, Oh, this is shit. Why is this here? But I, they, they they pulled me in. Like I definitely definitely got in got into it. You know, as as things got went Same. on and they became more and more ridiculous, I got more and more fun out of it and then I don't know, it felt like I think I felt like the more and more the match went on I felt like they got more into it and they became more comfortable in their setting maybe a little bit more and the the match benefited um, from it as a point uh, as a result like but um, you know I, I went you know, it is ridiculous. You know, you do just want Tanash and Kenton to be having just a proper match and, a, you know, proper classic match and certainly in the, in the dome. But, um, I, I can't, you know, I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Cause I, I, I did. And you know, the end stuff, like it all just added to it. Like it was, it was almost like the, 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 the cherry on top. Like I was probably in that 3.25 to three and a half star territory with it. But, I just nudged it up that extra 0.25 just because of that high, five, high fly flow. It was perfection from the height that it was, and that the aged tanahashiism we you know how fucked up his body—it literally could not have looked any more beautiful if he tried. Like his the technique and everything on it. Oh, it was. It, it, perfect, absolutely perfect. And again, just as a way to end the match, where you've had Ken to fuck his face, and this blood's there all over the table, and then to then just suddenly have this this thing of beauty just coming soaring down from a ridiculous, comedically ridiculous height, kind of like oh, just uh, just just the perfect perfect little ending there. And um, no, I, to be honest, I got a hell of a lot more um, fun out of it than I, I did about. The majority of uh, what we got over the two days of these two Wrestle Kingdoms oh you're on mute
0: it did have that going for it, like that breath of fresh air. I think it's kind of the, the thing. This is often, mm. and you know, I'm being exhausted by these two days. I think you can, uh, you can at least give it that. So yeah, I think I'm maybe uh, more with your school, even if it's it's not my type of death. So you know, throw Nick Gage in there with Tanahashi. Maybe you'll, uh, maybe get me more engaged than uh, than at this point in his career. But still fun. But I was gonna say like what. You know, as far as everything else on this the second day, you know, we did all say we, we enjoyed this a bit more. Um, what stood out for you guys from the undercard? What do you wanna wanna talk about? I mean, I, I imagine um, it's not necessarily going to be uh, some of the uh, the matches at the, uh, the the middle of this card. I think the, uh, the it's another uh, great O'Connor was a was a Greg match in a, in advertisement and it was a Greg's match in an execution, but uh, you know that and maybe uh, some of the uh, the other the silly stuff with the King of Pro Wrestling Trophy. It did feel like a, a stronger undercard than day one.
1: I, I thought with that King of Pro Wrestling, I've got nothing really to, to say to it. Certainly, nothing to say about the six-man open, the six-man tag, and the Senado Greater Car matches. I just assume they're giving it to Suzuki for him to be his BMF title something for him to defend maybe to have him as a reason to have on the mid card, because that way you can have him beating variety of people who aren't going to be around the the title scene. You don't need to interject him in there as well. And that might be the best use of him really at, at this, at this stage in his career. I mean, you could say that for the last four or five years, frankly, but, um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to bring up the stardom showcase match. I, I'm more yeah. curious to see what you guys really? think about it. <laughs> It would, Don't it, fucking say it like that. Oh, I know the implications. People, For those people, of you who, who aren't watching,
0: it was a good little three point two five star match, mate. It was, uh, but what it what it was, what it was, yeah. was a breath of fresh air on this show. Like, yeah, you know, it was needed absolutely. I'm glad it took place. There should be more of them. It was a spotty tag match, you know, with a lot of shit <laughs> happening in the, you know. 10 to 12 minutes or whatever it was they, they, they were assigned um you know the we were a bit negative on the commentary on day one i i would say you know in his defense chris charlton did a good job of getting over you know the stories of, of all, who all these people were and they're not just names jp made up in a in a fever dream when we do we do stardom <laughs> reviews they are real people um like kids a girl who knew um but you know <laughs> i think what it offered was you know I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue about a you know a 3.25 star big spot match that's what they did they went out there they maximized their minutes they did, did something different to what the men are doing new japan is you know it's in the bin right now as far as uh promotions go i i do think you know more of this on shows would you know for all my jokes about stardom and uh, jp's fandom of it mm. it does freshen things up and it was certainly far more interesting than some of the six fans we got on day one and, and even here on day two
2: yeah, I think it was that thing that it just broke things up again. It was just something that was different. It was something that it perked your interest a little bit more. It was, you know, it was something new really to to, to think about. I mean, the match itself, that's slightly lower than you. I've gone like three stars on it. Intimate to, to me, it was just, it was just a yeah, fast take, fast paced, sloppy in parts, t- tag tag match They yeah, had been given a certain amount of time and yeah just trying to showcase as much as they, they possibly could I was thinking if this is a reflection of what stardom is I'm probably not going to like it <laughs> I was thinking because it all just felt very very dancy it felt um, um, yeah get, get your shit in very dancy very, you know me to you to me to you kind of kind of stuff sort of and uh, again it didn't um that side of things didn't didn't appeal to appeal to me but it was fine it was a it was a it was a fine breath of fresh air over a two-day camp.
1: i didn't think of stardom as wrestling's chuckle brothers gareth <laughs> to me to you um five, five, I, six. I, I, six. no 3.25 i no, three point two five. Because it was it was what it was designed to be, which was a showcase match of them doing kind of various spotty things in order to kind of make themselves stand out. And that's kind of what it should have been. It wasn't things that were there to for it forward like I mean, we mentioned about the storylines and there's some elements of you know, Tam Nakano in the end sort of looking at the belt of Saya Kamatani, which if you're not following it, you know, that's the kind of there and I'll keep quiet, but hopefully pretty soon I'll be doing a podcast about about stardom at some point, just trying to get that lined up at some stage, which I no doubt both of you will be the first people in the queue to fucking listen to. Um,
0: I think there'll be people knocking down your door for that podcast, mate, but uh, there
1: won't be people you
0: want to see. There we go. Always comes back to
1: that, isn't it? eh? (laughs) Always that accusation that gets thrown out in there. Um, I know it's hard to ask, mate. (laughs) Fuck off. Um, But it is, it is one of these things I think where um, it's like, they kind of need them to a degree, like really more so than ever. The fact that it's on the card and it's not in a pre-show match, it's not a stardom world exclusive. I think that was the kind of more telling aspect of this and stardom, what they drew 3000 for their, their last big show at the end of December I mean, it's a company very much on the rise. You see about the business metrics going up and the rest of it. They kind of need them. So, like, I could see this happening more, not for any kind of, like, an ideological change in New Japan, but just more down to basic economics. Yeah, makes
0: sense. Uh, Anything else stand out for you, Gareth, on on this undercard? What would you you make of uh, some of the tags in here and the other stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean... You know, as I'm looking down, there's nothing here that I feel like I need to spend a huge amount of time on talking. I think the talking about, I think Robbie Eagles is the one I just want to highlight. It's so fucking mm-hmm. good. Like yeah. for for this, just to be quite a, you know, you know, where where it was on the card and the time, the ads and things. You know, I don't want to be a selling fetishist, but that lad is the fucking best seller of in the world I, th- I think is absolutely incredible and he, he puts so much detail and so much thought into almost like every motion that he does in the ring He's an absolute joy to watch and like I just you know again he's someone who I'm just praying to God that he just sort of cuts through and just gets more you know beyond this tag team obviously he had the junior belt individually last year i just opened that he just gets more it gets more involved and gets more single opportunities because he's so mm-hmm. fucking good and um it was a it was a great payoff to finally find out what was in elp's boot wasn't it like <laughs> we were all waiting with bated breath for for that one what you, that um, was well a what the fuck the, was it it was a yo-yo yeah, remember them from the 80s Them biscuits with the, yeah
1: not going to knock you out, though, is it? The, the only other thing, very quickly, because I know we've got still loads more to get into. I did want to bring up was that bit where Noah came out. I, I I like I kind of liked oh, yes. it. <laughs> like and it does feed nicely into the the into the kind of like show there as well. But I thought Keno was fucking great here. Mm. K G yeah. Muto not so much i know we all had a laugh at him taking the photo didn't seem to give much of a shit did he great
0: photo though. dad's on tour Magalof 2022 yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: it was
0: and he used this and he's funny club, on... which is hilarious like that's the star <laughs> that's the star right there never mind um you know kind of with, that, that cunt was pushing
2: right? for it wouldn't it mm. oh yeah <laughs> As I said on Twitter at the time, I he was coming to interject himself into the main event, make it a triple threat. <laughs> like, wouldn't, wouldn't, <laughs> have, wouldn't, wouldn't have surprised me one bit if, uh, if that had been the mm. outcome. But that was a cool moment. They all looked so good in the trackies, and Congo in their, oh. like, uh, in their red trackies, they, they looked fucking great. It was, it, to me, it just felt like it gave such a credibility boost to the card that was going to come later. Obviously, all the jokes about um you know, Mooter and the selfie and things like that, but the majority of them lads looked cool as fuck in them tracksuits uh coming to the ring. I was uh well up fritten and well up for one of them trackies. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, even me, you know, I would absolutely wear a, a conco trackie. <laughs> Not just around the outfit of the shops, you know. Put me alright on the on the Yeah no, they look they Mate, I'd
1: want I'd want to be buried in it. I think it looks that fucking nice.
0: It looks comfortable too Don't bother you know, about like, the like suit. The floor, you know?
1: Exactly. And if you're departing over to the, um, well, what is probably nothing, if we're going to talk about it. Sorry to drop that into the occasion. Um, but, like, you know, you, at least you're going to be comfortable in that track here. You're going to be nice and wrapped
0: up, aren't you? Well, I mean, we could use that as a, as a way into day three because I don't think we, mm. uh, we've got many more takes on the, on the day two stuff. But will stop you, you, no. stop you if you do. But that was the kind of – that was the weird thing about this. I mean, this day three on Saturday, I'm so, so glad – you know, I don't think I, would, I ever considered paying the money, but even fucking, no. like, even pirating, it, like, I had a fucking nightmare. What's the name of this fucking service it was on?
1: Um, a beamer. A beamer. Oh no! Oh. Yeah. I
0: think it's a beamer. Amoeba. A beamer. Oh, no. A beamer. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it is a beamer. I was saying Amoeba. <laughs> the Fucking honest to god, like the state of this broadcast because. That moment when the Noah lads invaded New Japan, it was the first time. I like, oh, this feels quite big. This feels like a legitimate thing. Yes, the card's a bit on the weak side, but, you know, whatever. And then I tried to watch this fucking thing. I had lots of tales of, like, WH was saying he ordered the, the, the Japanese language version, and because he'd ordered that, he couldn't switch to the English commentary. Then, the English commentary version, like, only the English commentary version, by the way, had all of the music muted. So, like, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, like for some people entrance music isn't a big thing in wrestling like Joe was big for that wasn't he JP like he's just he doesn't see the appeal of entrances and music and whatever like must be a big evolved one and two fan um, but you know to me it's a <laughs> massive part of wrestling presentation and when it's dream matches and it's just the idea especially here with it with multi-mans and really all you've got to sell it on is the idea that Congo stood across the ring from J. like part of that presentation it's the big entrances isn't it it's all the lads coming out together you know all dressed in red and it's 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 all of that even the new japan themes you know it's it's all of that it's the presentation and it made the show so fucking dry and I'm not going to have a go with Kevin Kelly and um, and Chris Charlton on this one because yes we can say maybe the Noah lads might have done a better job but it was it was a New Japan produce show and their hands were tied I felt so awful for them and those moments where entrances were happening and it was pure silence on the broadcast and you can literally hear Chris Charlton breathing and you can hear like <laughs> you know Kevin Kelly just scrambling for things to say because usually you can sit back aren't you in those moments as the music it's playing the whole presentation of this the pay-per-view system from what I've heard from people ordering was just a disaster really not, and not your 35 pounds worth uh, if anybody did shout for the, Fuck the no. version of this not like me Oh, did you? Oh, I was it. How was your experience? They took your credit card. Then that's a start. A lot of people didn't get that. Didn't get
2: that I mean, when it fucking started, it wasn't even on. <laughs> like there was, um, I don't know if on the uh, versions that you um you watched, and um, it was like this, but it was just it was just pitch black from fucking. Five minutes, ten minutes, and then it suddenly like came on in the you know like well fucking Yashiki and Imura and Ishiya kicking the shit out of each other. So it, it just it just mm. suddenly came on in the middle of that, that match, and I was like, just what I've yeah, i fucking paid for here is to miss uh, miss half of this uh, opening match, and especially when it was like two lads like you know Imura and Isha that I was that was one of the things that I was most looking forward to was them two uh, kicking the shit out of <laughs> kicking the shit out of each other. But um, but I mean as a as a whole it was weird I ordered it on one device and then I couldn't watch it on the device that I actually wanted to watch it on and things it was it was just all a bit fucking you know bizarre and just Mm -hmm. obviously the power cutting out not having the music having that awkward commentary and things the whole presentation of it just felt low rent it's you know if you talk about something having the Wrestle Kingdom name attached to it (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. Wrestle Kingdom
0: That's it, and you, you made that point. Like at, at the end of the day, they put Wrestle Kingdom's name on it, so for anyone who wants to be like, ah, oh, you know, you're, you're being too critical of the state of these cards, I mean, they called it Wrestle Kingdom and charged City quid for it, yeah. so, you know, they got what they give giving. Oh. But yeah, go on, JP.
1: They hinted at singles matches hmm. the entire way through, the entire way this was pitched up until the card was announced, even the entire pre-show, they were guessing on that. So, like, to say that Certainly, I had a level of kind of like hostility going into the show for it as well, for what it kind of could have been, and at point, at very select points in this, what you kind of thought, oh, if we're getting that, that could be fucking great. But ultimately, do you know what this was? I looked at this as it was a charity game of football. Yeah. Is what it was. Ultimately, it was like you get loads of really good players playing a game, but there's no stakes. Ultimately, no, and it's a, it's <laughs> it's soccer aid. Yeah. Jonathan Wilkes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> wrestle
2: <laughs> <Wrestling. laughs> That's what it is. Jonathan Jonathan Wilkes against Yoshiki and Amura. Yeah. <laughs> that is
0: that's what it it's is, isn't like. it? Well, I for that reason you know, like I struggle with getting it on. Cheno
1: you know, beating the shit out of Gino Campino. <laughs> I, I
0: pay for that. I paid 30 bucks <laughs> for that. Um Oh not. I, st- I struggled to get this thing you know, going, struggled to get into it with the music and stuff. And like Garrett said, yeah, even on the, the replay version that, that I watched that had been snatched somewhere, there were a lot of those black screen moments in the first couple of hours. And in the end, I was like, life's mm. too short. I'm just going to watch the big two matches. I mean, before we get into those, did I miss anything with the undercard? Is there anything there? That's, that's I looked at the grapple ratings and it wasn't exactly uh, people doing somersaults, but were there many like, fun moments in the, in the undercard here as far as interactions go?
2: I mean, for me, in that first match, the bits that I did see when it did come up, come on, Ishii and Inamora yeah. just fucking knocking the shit out of each other was just, just great. And, you know, they, that was one there where you just think, like, you know, when this was first announced and I was thinking, oh, I want to see Ishii against Inamora or I want to see Ishii against Kimi, you know in a singles you know that was something that i was hoping to see then it was sort of like washed into the tag but i still felt like even with the uh, production problems still got a lot of time of seeing those two lads still lay into each other and even after the bell when the match was over they were still fucking going at it on the outside as well and i was just like this can't ends this, this this needs to continue because we just need this singles match especially coming off the back of poor rishi having to have that evil match uh, you know on you know the yeah. sort of main wrestle kingdom shows i was just thinking just put oh, come on there's got to be some reason there that we could just whack these two out there and have a singles match and and, and knock the hell out of each other that would be uh that would be um Fucking, fucking great stuff. You know, I think other stuff on the lower end of the the card. I mean, show shit the bed again for me. (laughs) Like, you you know, he was obviously, he was one of the singles matches that was out there with, you know, Atsushi Kotoge And like, he was just doing lots of over-the-top character healing, like ridiculous, like cackling, laughing at a trainee who he beat up, you know. over-the-top pantomime act, you know, using the wrench again and things. It was just all just so, like, you know, labored early on with that one, really. That was like show having another, like, one-and-a-half-star match in a Wrestle Kingdom week. You just think, where's this lad? Where's this lad gone? I don't don't know if you got anything more out of any of these earlier matches, JP. No, not really. Like, I I didn't – I mean, I –
1: just at the time it's, it's all the stuff you said about like the presentation issues completely kind of threw me off track and it kind of meant i i, I struggled to get into this got more into it when i watched the big two matches in japanese commentary because at least then you could hear the music and get an idea of the audience reactions and stuff like that but like you say you mentioned the Inamura like has had a cracking little start to the year here but between the fucking interactions he had with Kenta on the New on the New Year show for mm-hmm. Noah and here as well. I mean, he's someone that you're thinking, God, like, he's making the most of his moments. Like, when he's getting stuff in there, he's the one you're coming away thinking of. And he's, you know, good young Hoss. And, you know, between him and Masakitamiya, you're kind of thinking... There's your shit-kicking tag team, if you want to go in that direction for a while. Although me is challenging Nakajima next, which is a match I'm really looking forward to at the end of the month, because remember that cage match? It was fucking great shit. But yeah, I, I thought for the most part, I mean, really up until the top two matches, there there wasn't a lot going on. It,
2: it, it was... I'm struggling to think of some of the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the interactions between... Minoru Suzuki and Sagira in that in that yeah. six, six man tag, but that's always going to be good, isn't it? And obviously, with the element of history there as as well. But like I, like the like even Yano been introduced as the replacement for Kenta for that match. You know when it was it was like I was at that element of anticipation, like who is this going to be? Can, you know what are they going to throw into the mix here? And it was like Yano, and and, and again, again, you know, obviously that bleeds into the you know the. This from a storyline point of view it makes sense but you know again it's one of those where you thought like surely there could have been something better that they uh, could have done with there. It was you know, you know you're looking at the tag team match with Go Shizaki and Massa against uh, Dick Togo and Evil at the end of the day it's fucking Dick Togo and Evil in there isn't it you know and you had that like long beat down of go in there and I think that uh, Kitamiya came out of it looking you know quite, uh, quite good where they'd had the usual ball shot and then you had Cho legging it down and you had Yujiro legging it down as well. But Kitami uh, absolutely cleaned house and um you know he, he looked very strong I think he, I think he uh um, came out of that looking like he's someone there where you've had all this bullet club shit arrogance in New Japan and Kitami just went, I'm not fucking having any of this shit and he just fucking lamped them all and got rid of them and I was like yes New Japan needs somebody to do that on their own fucking yeah. product not needed to um, know a lot to 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 do that that for them but um but you know again that was one where the match overall was you know, I went 2.25 on it but again I enjoyed seeing Kitamir um Kitamir come through a bit more um, strongly there um I thought following on from that there was the Marafuji uh, Agawa against uh, Kanamaru and Zack Sabre Jr mm-hmm. that one for me felt like it went up a notch you know I, I think if you were going to go back and watch this and outside of the main two matches you were looking for something else on the card I think this was probably mm-hmm. the third best match on the, the card overall you know I think the commentators did a really good story of filling in the blanks of Gower's background with Zack Sabre Jr you know I think that was that was something which um, again was you know sort of particularly helpful to make this match feel like it meant a bit more some nice early sort of exchanges between them, with some like nice reversals and counters around. Uh, you know, something as basic as a cravat, which you know I, I, I enjoyed there as well. But um, but again, overall, that was a match that was solid without being spectacular. Three point two five stars. You know, enjoyable, good bit of fun. But you know, nothing that you'd say is pulling up the, pulling up trees on the on the undercard. But you know, worth
0: a watch. What do we think of the uh, the big two matches then? Um, and like I said I tuned in here, and like I said earlier, it was you know I, I was critical of the layout here. You know, I would have preferred Nakajima and Keno to be mixing it up with Tanahashi and Okada, but you know, instead, you know, we definitely got some clear setup there with uh, with Shingo and, uh, and and Nakajima, and we got. Really, you know, thinking about it, was that a cooler visual? As far as I don't, I'm not exactly a big LIJ fan, but as far as like proper stables going head to head, you're going to do multi-man's. You know, the, the the lads all in red um on the on the Noah side. You know, on the Congo side. Looked incredible. Lij looked like a unit, and just that start and point of having these two okay. units with you know they both got you know a couple of like you know there's a couple of guys who could theoretically be the lead of the stable or, or could be could be world champion. Then you got a couple of juniors and a heavyweight. It's kind of like a good it, they were a good mirror image of each other. It felt like, and you know we got nice loads of nice little interactions through the match and you know a bit of heat and a bit of drama in there as well and a bit of the quality that you know you'd expect from a match that's got you know keno and nakajima and and shingo and and even naito in there you know and the lads it was it was definitely this was the moment where i was like oh if this whole card had been like this i'm sure i felt like i missed out on something but it felt like yeah this was this was the cream of the crop and this was more like what you'd want on a on an all-star card like this
1: Yeah, I I I would completely agree. I went four stars on this, even though it's a match kind of built up of moment. It's a match built up of moments. It's these little. It's seeing Nakajima and Naito like in the ring opposite each other and stuff like this. And that's why it's great to watch it with the Japanese commentary, just with that crowd sounds as well. Because as Gareth mentioned earlier on, you compare like these crowds can make noise for this stuff, and and this was the kind of acceptable face of the multi man. This is kind of what it should be you've got your two charismatic stables matching off against each other absolutely fine so for me this kind of delivered everything that i want and because it is a 10 man tag it's going to be moving at a pace it's going to be like kind of relatively all action and people are going to be getting their shit in in kind of short sharp shocks and again you know i'm, I'm thinking of something Someone like Keno, who I've not always been convinced as being kind of at like at the top of the mix, but certainly over the last year, 18 months, I'm just like thinking, yeah, this guy has like kind of a real charisma to him. Um, like, you know, whether or not you really kind of like his, his kind of style and it's not like it's a character that you can kind of really warm to in any way, but it just so much of it, like, like the kind of visuals and interactions. And even though I want to believe Shingo versus Nakajima will happen, there's that part of me just because no, they'll find a way to balls this up because it's wrestling and these are competing companies. And even though getting Shingo into, you know, challenge Nakajima at a big, like, I don't know, Budokan show or something like that would be clearly sensible fucking business. I, I don't know if they would do that, but yeah, I, I really,
2: I really enjoyed this. I thought this was, I, th- I thought this was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, like big time. I'm the same as you, JP. I went four stars on this. Like, this felt to me like the first point during the whole card where there was that aggression and, needle between the two companies mm. that they should have been and but it almost wasn't the needle between the companies it was between the factions mm. and you know the, them both been sort of very defined as well I, th- I, th- I think it was it was just that great visual i mean i alluded to it before you referenced it there that crowd pop when nakajima and naito were just looking at each other that that's like that's like the moment you know when when it was first put out there you know new japan and noah are having this card together, they're the dream scenarios that you're thinking of. You're thinking about the big names and like you're squaring off against each other like that and seeing how the crowd react to it. And it was just so cool just to see that, the Japanese fans couldn't contain themselves. They had to make noise at that moment because it felt so big. And, you know, obviously you obviously use, you saying there, you want to listen to the Japanese commentary and things for the atmosphere, like props to Chris Chartley. Or he was like, he was like, look at them both grin. And he says, when wrestlers smell money, that's when they're happy. Kind of thing Cause they both just had that little grin on their face as the crowd popped. And you could tell that they both just thought we fucking got something here. Like these are, mm-hmm. they, these are properly into, into this. And that was a moment that, just gave me hope as well that made me think these lads are going to be in the back going come on we've got to do more we've got to be having like more interaction between us the crowd were into that there's money on the table here there's money to be made kind of thing and it was it was one of those just like influencing factors but the fact that it just started with Congo just jumping them like right away immediately just had that kind of like fucking right here we go and you were just like thrust right into it I think you know throughout the match I think just some the exchange between Naito and Keno, like given that you'd had the the face off between Nakajima and Naito i think that the actual f- exchange between Naito and Keno was was excellent stuff as well so that was a different dynamic which then sort of bled into a Nakajima Shingo face off where their strike exchange was just f- fucking viciously you know really laying into each other the pair of them as well i was like loving every second of it really, up to up to that point and it just left, like, you talk about something like the best wrestling is where it just leaves you just wanting more. And, like, I loved every moment of this. And then just at the end, I was just thinking, I just want more and more of this. And, you know, at the end, like, the face on Keno when they got beaten is, like, slapping Naito in the face after the match, you know. Like, Naito was giving him shit back and you're just thinking, how can this be it? There's no way that this can just be like the, the line in the sand. There's, there's got to be more here. You obviously had Shingo looking at Makajima's belt as well, as you've alluded to there, JP. Like, this was just, uh, this this was, even though it was put together as uh, as it was and you, you're looking at things, as like, oh, God, it's a multi-man tag. This delivered on every level that you would want it to deliver on, on for me. Fucking quality stuff. Yeah. Don't miss it.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. People aren't like skipping out on this because of the price points or waiting for New Japan World. Based on what you guys think, you don't need to see the undercard. But I think I feel like you do need to see this, especially if it's going somewhere in the of those major singles matches. But didn't go on last. There was also a small match of, of a card Tanahashi against Keito Kiyomir. And Muto. Um Yeah, <laughs> kind of went out, you're expecting it, lads. I think uh, we can all agree wrong man takes the fall, and we can all agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Muto being that this was uh, an interesting choice, but, you know, he's known to new Japan fans. He's over. Maybe they were expecting, you know, we'd help with the attendance and, and whatever, and they didn't trust putting a, a young lad in there with Okada and Tanahashi. But I did still think there were encouraging moments and this. It was encouraging to have to me in this big spot. It was encouraging. Just the fact that even here and other, if you've seen Okada's comments since, where Okada's kind of teased he should come over to New Japan full-time to get a bit of confidence, I think, is the the way you wear it. But Mm. treat it like an excursion. Um, Love to see that. That'd be great for both sides, wouldn't it? Um, But yeah, there were nice moments for him. Muto was over for for the bits that he did, even if he is a, a clumsy old dad at the at this point. And, 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 Tashin, Tana, actually, Karek, and Tana, actually, I couldn't go higher than three point two five stars on this one, but you know it, it was a match, and you know it was still, you know, it, it felt like a big deal, even if really the the stakes were relatively low. I say I went. I went higher.
2: I mean, I'm looking here and on the app, on the app. this average is out at like 3.92 on on the app currently. I went 3.75, so I'm slightly lower than average, but you know, a decent bit above you there. I just enjoyed the story that they're told within this match with like, you know, large, I mean, it felt like to me like it was largely centered around, you know, Kim here. He took a lot of beat down from the two of them, you know, as he's done in recent matches, he showed some very, very good fire coming back and showed that he had the ability to hang with Akada and Tanahashi at certain points, which which felt Good, like good for him in terms of like the sort of the the rub from this moment and you know making him feel a little bit um, more even though obviously he, he did um you know take that fall he got that very near fall on a Ocado with that bridge and German which um it, you know was was it was, was, was a good spot and got the crowd up and um, definitely and and I think even the way that it it ended, you know, with with Kimi absolutely in tears at the end when he'd when he'd lost and seeming like inconsolable, and Muto kind of like helping him to the back and sort of being supportive and uh, just with the moment with Tanner and Akada standing tall sort of over him. I just that just felt like a real sort of good moment, and I don't, I don't think Muto was as bad as he's been. Like it felt like he was mm-hmm. up for and he felt like I don't know whether it was just me. He felt a bit more nimble and things like that. Like I think it it uh, definitely had his vitamins Relatively that morning. Nimble. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd had his vitamins that morning or something because his uh, his knees weren't weren't quite as um, concrete as, as as usual. But um, it was yeah, it, it was good. I thought they told a told a, a good story, and I think for for Kamea to be put in that position where he's he's with Akar and Tanahashi, like. He delivered. He he
1: really delivered for me. Yeah, I mean, I went three and a
2: half on this. I'm away thinking
1: kind of more about this felt like the proper start of something with Mia. Like if nothing else, it felt like his consciousness is kind of like raised within kind of like wrestling rather than being at times like a badly booked, like kind of someone who was projected to be the ace of the company. And I'm not saying he's there yet, but I think even obviously like Tanahashi and Akada can see, and you bring up the comments afterwards, the fact they're talking about him afterwards would suggest that they see something in him as well. And I think, and I think that's definitely the case. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot more fun than what I kind of expected it to be. And it's probably because I was livened up from watching the LIJ Congo match before that as well. Um, and it did, while you're not saying dream match for me, it wasn't, it's the interactions between seeing like a Muto and a Kada and seeing Kiyomiya in there with both Tanahashi and a Kada as well, you know, and it's not been Muto and Tanahashi for a very long time. So there was all, like like you mentioned earlier on, these kind of shows, they're the moments that you're looking for. If you're having these big kind of tag matches, they're, they're tags between people who are, regardless of what we think of KG Mutu, but they're substantial in their respective companies. So at least it lends it a kind of weight and a bit more gravitas. And you mentioned as well about like how much of the undercard just sort of lacked any of that emotion and needle. Like, I thought Kiyomiya in tears, kind of, you got that. And you figure this is going to play then into the Noah storylines. You can see this being the idea where hopefully some of that, that the, the Noah crowd will, will kind of respond to him that bit more. And you can start to see him really kind of develop into someone who I'm, I'm more convinced than what I would have been say a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly in the last year that kiyomiya like certainly his fire has really improved over the time that we've been watching noah on the reg so um yeah that was a lot more fun doesn't excuse 35 pounds that's fucking disgraceful japanese cross or no japanese red cross
0: well gareth made a good point didn't you on the the preview show of like you know, again, this is Wrestle Kingdom, and you want to think they're setting things up for future. But fuck me if this is the starting point. Where Where are these matches actually going to take place? Well that is a question because mm-hmm. there is an interesting card there, isn't it? You know, you can do, you can do Nakajima Shingo. You can, you know, you can do Kenta Naito. You can do Okada Kiyomiya, You can do Tanahashi Muto if you want to. You know, stick it strictly to things that were kind of teased on this card. There's a super card there somewhere, or at least some big matches. Do they happen in Noah? Well, do they happen in New Japan? Do we do more cards like this? I I wondered
1: if the strategy was to have individuals coming in and headlights. Like, so just having Shingo go across the Noah to challenge Nakajima. Or having Muto come in just to challenge um in New Japan, rather than it being kind of like wholesale invasions. Those individuals I think would be a lot easier of a sell. It's like when they brought in Marafuji to you know, into the G1 and he challenged the card. It was fine in that kind of very short term. They're in there for a couple of matches and then they're gone. I think that's the route because that they'll look at that as that being the way of like kind of popping bigger houses over the longer term mm. by just like having that jeered up by, you know, a thousand or 2000 or whatever, but you're doing that rather than offering one big card.
2: I mean, I I think this, like, with hindsight, when I sat back and, and thought about it, was very, very, overall was very, very strong in, although New Japan won more matches and Mm. It felt like a big win for Noah to me. like, and like, as I looked down it like in a, in a more looked very strong early on. Kitamir looked strong. Congo looked dangerous. Nakajima looked like a star. Kitamir was led to felt. He felt important in that last match, even though they lost, it felt like he was the central point of focus Mm. at the end of that match as well. So it felt like he was like elevated in, in importance. The commentators, again, the English commentators are repeatedly putting over the importance of a lot of these older Noah wrestlers on the on the careers of the new Japan wrestlers, so you know, so again, given this this was a New Japan production, they were still you know raising that profile of, of Noah, and I, I think it walk uh, at the end of it, Noah felt like that they felt close almost closer to a bit of parity with with New Japan. And maybe this first event was just something that needed to be done to kind of almost like establish that and make Noah look like that they can be taken seriously. And then when you think about the guys who did walk out of it looking strong, they are the guys that we've talked about over the last 12 months when we've talked about Noah has been the ones who look like the future of the company and look like people who they, they could, you know, build a, you know, outside of your 50 year olds, they look like you, you stronger people on the card um, who, who are going to be leading the way for them into the, into the next um, decade as well. And so it, it, the idea that, Something doesn't come of this with the way that a lot of these guys look like they've been built, just feels alien to me. Like, it's it, there's so much money on the table at a time when both companies need to capitalize on getting us grabbing as much cash as they can, you know, on the back of the last 18 mm-hmm. months to two, two years. To be fools not to, and, and and I feel like they've left this in a more credible position for them to make money um, going forward as well. So I think it looks like a major success um, on on that level.
0: Let's see how much those uh, concert uh, Amiga or, uh, pay them, and uh, whether that was uh, a <laughs> <it's> Amiga. <successful>. <laughs> <laughs> those <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> at Spectrum and Commodore yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> The computer wars of the eighties, mate, still raw. Um but yeah, I guess we'll sure. learn any lessons from uh, from this. Fuck you and Strad. <laughs> <I'll laughs> um but anyway we should move on and be like, Yes, this is gonna be a, a long episode and it might even need to be an overrun uh, after this, but we probably should at least talk, even briefly, some uh, some uh, some AEW and and there we um <laughs> over this last week uh, uh, shows. I mean it sounds like a bigger week than it is, to be fair. We had Dynamite with the uh, the big uh, title match, obviously, which I'm sure we'll spend some time on. We had Rampage, which was a Rampage show, and they were Battle of the Belt, which I think even Tony Khan didn't give a fuck about by the time that card came out. Like, if, you were, if you were someone who bought plane tickets and made that journey out to Charlotte expecting... Clash of the champions level stuff. I mean, I know they gave them a house show, but I did laugh at like some of the uh the house show results that had like Hangman Page on the opposite side of a team that had pentacle and Matt Hardy on. I mean, yes, you were getting all the champions on your Battles of the Belt show if you were there live. You are hardly getting them in uh, in interesting spots. It was a weird week for AW, wasn't it? Like I say, the debuting on TBS the same week they had that, you know first clash of the champions style special which turned out to only be an hour it, it kind of felt like at a point about a month ago tony khan was just like ah fuck it like, it's gonna be it's rampage two let's focus on the tbs debut you know they mm. did a, a good rating for that tbs debut so at least as far as the, the demo goes a spectacular rating to be honest you know being lots of episodes uh recent episodes of raw and having a big huge turnaround in a, in some key demos but yeah, it felt like uh, Dynamite was the uh, the show of this week as it had the match of this week on it. And yeah, the other stuff was kind of just dressing in the end, wasn't it, after the, all the build-up?
1: Yeah, you're completely right. That Battle of the Belts, I mean, it was more like sort of... It went from Clash of the Champions to WCW Saturday Night. Mm. It was just like a a show, mm. really. Um, and a boring, weird like. I say weird, but just like kind of like this is odd how this is fitting into it, and nothing clicked for me on that show at all. Just like I didn't feel it going in, I didn't feel it going out. Whereas it was all kind of about dynamite, which when you think about it, that was the bigger that was the show that mattered because it was the debut on TBS, and you mentioned about the rating as well. Also, Rampage did a very good rating by Rampage and demo standard stuff, and. I don't know, will be accused of looking too much into all that stuff again, but it really matters. But with dynamite was the show that they kind of needed to deliver and really, and you know, to get into the, get into the opener slash main event, which is never something that I'm mad about, by the way, I do like my main events yeah. on last call me old fashioned. I
0: think they but Bunchy I get why, because of
1: the time thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I, I reckon that match was supposed to like it's got it had to be the plan for Battle of the Belts. Like it had to be. Like I, I just feel like it. You know, having the judges out there. You know, it was very crockett, wasn't it? It just felt like that was what they were building to. Like I'm actually surprised they didn't. You know, they got an hour time slot, so put the hour match there um i'm surprised mm. you can go that way but you're right JP i think especially as they've done it once before if you, if you put this match with 30 minutes to go on dynamite it it's, it gives too much away doesn't it so i suppose yeah unless you go the battle of the beltrooth that's the way you got to do it oh, unless you put a half
1: hour celebration just to kill time at the end of it a load of skits <laughs> that would be odd um yeah. but yeah yeah for me it was you know it was it was just all about that dynamite rampage is going to rampage isn't it at this stage
2: yeah, I just think that whole Battle of the Belts concept, I think when it was first, you know, muted again, it was kind of one of those things that was quite exciting, this idea of a Clash of the Champions style program. I think the name Battle of the Belts, you know, gives it that kind of like, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be a two-hour show. Every belt's defended, you know, it just felt like it has an element of prestige about it. And what have you got, an interim title, an FTR title, and the the um, women's belt, is, it just felt secondary really didn't it It didn't it Mm. didn't feel important at all it was like a
1: UFC card that collapses and goes wrong and you end up with just some shitty matches on there and you go no one's fucking paying for this sorry
2: yeah it was it was just that's a perfect analogy for it really it's just bizarre it just felt like yes something that had an element of promise to it and then what you end up getting is a bit meh Mm.
0: Well, what did we make of the, uh, the big match then in the end as far as Dynamite goes? You know, Pangman, Brian, as far as, like, you know, they didn't... I don't think this was in the same kind of match of the year calibre that the last one will be, for at least for my, you know, when we do the top ten match of the year next week. It's definitely going to be in my consideration. I know it's a long time away. Is this one going to be in my 2022 consideration? Probably not. But to the star rating discussion of earlier, there were still points about it, like, I maybe preferred. It was... Uh, you know, borrowing this uh, this point from uh, Ian on Twitter, BME ninety seven, I think is is his is his uh, tag. But he was, you know, he made the point, and it completely stuck in my head as soon as he said it. It was Punk Joe three. It was the the story of those matches was, you know, you had your first two hour draws. Punk was trying to take Joe to the limit, and then in the third match, as the famously talk about, on I had a great shoot interview with uh, with Joe and Punk. Um, I think it's Ricky Steamboat that comes up with the idea of well, what happens if he gets busted open? What happens then? Because Punk's entire plan was to drag the match out for an hour with headlocks, and then all of a sudden he's bleeding and he hasn't got an hour anymore, and he's got to go for the win. And I felt like there were elements of that in here, you know, with with Bryan kind of like being, you know, that 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 sixty-minute man, and you know, like I say, they're introducing the blood into things and introducing maybe a little bit more of element of of desperation it wasn't quite the, the match of the year you know broadway of uh, the first one but as far as maybe a, a more straightforward match with that element of of story interjected into into what we had before and both of them maybe learning different things you know from their their first match out and, and putting them into practice here which I think was important for for Paige as uh, as maybe an, an underwhelming babyface champion so far um and it was especially important for him to, to get the win as well um I thought they told a, a bit of a different story than they did in the first one but Told it well and very much enjoyed it. Don't think it outstayed its welcome. And yeah, I think they uh, they delivered on you know a, a great follow-up match. I don't think the build was there for it. It didn't feel as big a deal as maybe it should, but the bell-to-bell, can't argue with. And yeah, I'd give it like a solid 4 to 4.25 star. I haven't punched my rating into grapple yet. So like I say, not match of the year level, but a very, very good match from you know two pros here uh, to kick off Dynamite. I went four and a half
1: star and I have to admit, I I, I love this. I, I kind of almost preferred this particularly because it didn't go the hour and it felt more like a kind of traditional professional wrestling match. It felt like a throwback to kind of NWA stuff to be honest, like kind of sort of WCW sort of uh, stuff on there. I thought it, it had like sort of really good pacing to it. I thought the physicality was there. There are times when I look at Adam Page and I just sort of forget how athletic he is. Not only is he strong and he, he can do things like the fall away slam off the top, but he's that lovely, um, Moon Salt moonsault as well. It's just fuck it. Oh, is it, was it the Ahara moons? I can't, I forget. It's very late. Um, And I thought, like, you know, you had the change in pace. And like you mentioned, it was that variable of Danielson bleeding that kind of changed the dynamic of where this was and that Danielson had thought he was going to be able to wrestle the same kind of match again, you know, except this time, you know, he's going to be harder in busting open Adam Page and making sure that he's drained, that he can't get there to the end. And then the reverse happens around. I don't think Danielson loses anything from it, but I think it does a lot for Page. I think that's that's the thing that I kind of really took away f- from that, and you know, you know, it was it was weird to hear Tony Schiavone bring up this is resembling Jerry Lynn versus Steve Corino, <laughs> which in ECW I was like, where the fuck did he pull that one out? Like, <laughs> yeah, Watching yeah. that, <laughs> okay, like late end days ECW as well, okay, um, and I I, I even like the fact that the judging's, judges were a red herring in the end. Like I'm kind of fine with that to a degree because, there you know it felt like a bit of a letdown to kind of w- watch you know Big Show stare sternly at the ring while writing stuff down. You're always curious what they're writing down, how they're killing the time, what notes is is the big is Paul White going to take from a Brian Danielson match in 2022? Really, like he said, so, well that was good, but this is how I would improve it.
4: What, <laughs> like, like you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I I thought as a TV match and as a piece of wrestling television in a kind of traditional sense, like or what you would expect from like an American television wrestling match, I, I I thought it was kind of I'd argue it's it's kind of better for that. That's not to say that the, the first match is a better match in terms of how it's wrestled,
2: but this one I felt felt a bit more exciting for me. It's interesting because, like, when you look at like the ratings on the app, they've both got four point seven, bang on, oh. <laughs> like so. Yeah, yeah. So they've both been enjoyed equally by Grapple users, which is 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 odd. I mean, like, I'm the same as you, Ben. Anyway, I haven't punched my rating in yet because I wanted to watch it again. I think it, it felt I wasn't I, I wasn't sure where I was. I, I, I was at on that first watch I did enjoy it, I enjoyed it a lot I kind of just wanted to I think when, when I was watching it, I kind of just wanted to just watch it and, and almost not think about it, thinking about the fact that I was coming on a podcast here to talk about it and like think about star ratings or anything, I almost just kind of just wanted to just sort of sit back and take it in really and then, you know knowing that it was something that I was definitely going to come back to and and, and, and watch again <sighs> I kind of like half felt like maybe I did enjoy it like a little bit more than that first one as well. Like I think the, the evolution of it from that first match and then it almost just been like that next strand of the story that you've, that you've had that first kind of meaty chapter that we had like a few weeks ago getting to that point with the draw and then you know, coming to this stage and there being those elements where there was that element where there were the learnings from it. And Hangman did seem to have a bit more earlier dominance than he had last time. I think the spot with the ring post where obviously last time Hangman got pulled into it and cut this time, he blocks it and he pulls Danielson in and cuts it. Basic, easy, simple storytelling that you don't see everywhere, but it was a, 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 interesting logical change to the match that now the Danielson who's been there 45 minutes into the match previously, who's doing star jumps and, you know, putting middle fingers up to the crowd while Hangman bleeds on the outside. Suddenly, much earlier on, he's the guy who's got a fucking crimson mask, and he's the one who's in peril and he's struggling a bit. And he's like, you know, he's not got that same assurance and cockiness and like Hangman's confidence kind of builds with it as well as the as the as the match you know goes on. Um, for, from that point, I just liked that element of the uh, of the story there and uh, and the way that was built. And I think like. Danielson did such a fucking cracking job of that of be of of the the person like there was, there was a bit where the he was going to skin the cat and he couldn't skin the cat because he was too worn out and too exhausted and you you just like a good small detail and it just really kind of like shows you that. This, he is struggling here, he is in danger, you know, he could lose this match and he, it felt like that he was definitely in a lot more peril through, through things that were, that were going on from that point. I thought the finish was, was, was very good. Um, and that, that was, you know, executed, you know, with the hangman counter and the running knee, you know, into the power bomb and then, um, um, then ultimately, the kind of that backdrop driver that he landed, that then into the bookshop lariat, um, just to, to get the one, two, three. It felt like kind of like a a big moment and a, a good end. But but I think it felt like there'd been that definite struggle and that they'd been like i felt like they'd been to war (laughs) you know which in a shorter time frame than they had done previously which was you know meant for me that 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 side of things was very very well executed and i felt like you had that increased i don't know the impact of hangman's offense felt more because of the way that it was you know built into it with the with the Danielson cut and things like that as well I think it was a boost that Hangman needed because one of the disappointments for me on this was the pop when Hangman came out at the start of the show I felt like it was really muted I'd, I, I was underwhelmed I, 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 with it you know compared to what you know Danielson got as well and I thought that felt dangerous to me that you world champion who you've built and put in this position didn't seem like he was getting that immediate reaction when the crowd should have been absolutely chomping at the bit, like really eager to come out and see, like, okay, what's the next chapter in this storyline? And they they just didn't seem as invested in Hangman early on. So hopefully that win helps him on that journey to, you know, become that level of level of star um, star that you know we'd obviously all hope that he uh, managed to manages to achieve. You know, I was thinking like, oh, maybe they should put the belt on um, <laughs> on Daniel Smear at, at that point when I was hearing those was uh, original uh, initial reactions. But I think almost if you're looking at this as two chapters together, it was a very well-told story across the the, the piece, and yeah. they and what they did do was effectively eliminate the, any concerns or frustrations I had at the end of the first match with the way that that ended, which yeah. which again was a was a win.
0: And to anyone listening, Gareth is not saying Hangman Page is dead. Like, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, <laughs> There are issues with the way he's been handled. You know, I think it's not even, it wouldn't have been an issue, but I think the way they handled the Kenny story was to have him wrestle not that much on TV because, you know, they made themselves to have the, the big in ring segments with the promos and such, and then he was away for a while. But to do that back to back with him then winning the title and then similarly barely appearing on, on the show, and I know he's your world champion, you want to make world title matches a premium because that's kind of what AW would have done right through. I don't think it's been a good look back to back. I think now that this Brian stuff is behind him, I just want to see more of him on the show. I want to see him be a more dominant presence. There's still things you can do mm. with this title run. I don't think it should be a long title run. I do think that it's true to the fact, you know, his most over point will have been during the Kenny feud. And now it's like, it was the happy ending and we'll give him a run so it doesn't, you know, people don't feel short change, but it's not exactly going to be, be a year long run. But I'd like to get going. I'd like to, to see him be the focal yeah. point of the shows and be the world champion that, you know, hopefully he can be.
2: I, I wonder, like, something that I was considering was whether or not they're too scared about, you know, having a babyface champion who's too heavily featured and shoved down people's throats and the crowd turn on him, must, you, you know, from that point mm-hmm. of view, and whether they've tried to kind of just pump the brakes a little bit and just hold back on things from from that, that point of view. But I think he... Likewise, I think he could definitely be benefited just by seeing on TV, uh, being seen on TV beating people that don't have to be world title matches either yeah. just beating people and just looking like a dominant yeah. guy beating people who nobody would expect you know people who it doesn't look like they've been buried or people who you know it's you're force feeding him to the audience or things like that just winning matches he should win you know like Bret Hart used to win matches just to you know he'd have a match against fucking Bob Holly or something like that and he'd just win it decisively he'd have a match against someone the next week and he'd, he'd win it decisively you know you've seen the impact of even just Wardlow just going out there and just having squash matches every week like you know, lo and behold, you go out there and make someone look like a fucking dominant. Um, you know, uh, like ask kicker and like the crowd get behind them. I think Hamman just needs a little bit of that. Um, just, just go out and get some good wins.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, well time is a, is a premium you know we'll talk about these shows as a whole but like any big like takeaways from Dynamite itself or you know we'll get into them page and Battle of the Box if there is anything you really want to say about that stuff um, I suppose Dynamite did have the, uh, the TBS title um, final with mm-hmm. Jake Cargill in a fucking rotten match so there was that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just let jay cargill go over in 30 seconds lad make a goldberg you've already got the tnt belt. Yeah. you've already got the proper women's belt sorry to uh t- to have you know longer matches and do more stories jay cargill as tbs champion should be an easy formula um i suppose it was a tournament yes. final so you want to give it more ruby soho hasn't had the greatest uh Im- Im- impact on the quality i think of the in-ring in, the, in this women's division so far but now that you're past that, okay, let's just have Jade smash through people because mm, I don't think this match showed that she was uh, particularly ready for much more. It was a, was a negative for me across the other uh, three days of programming.
1: It was. It's the right result. I mean, she's definitely the person to put in there. She should be killing people like and having an like, underbeaten run. I've written here, it's exactly like you said, needs a credible unbeaten run against better workers in shorter matches. Yes. But Ruby Soho, I, like, I'm... I'm looking at this, going like, "Yeah, she's." Dare I say it doesn't seem up to it, to be honest, for the position that she's in. Like, it really feels like, in terms of your resources and everything else, and where you're pulling it, it's like once you get beyond the theme song, I don't fight. I don't think there's any other matches that I've particularly kind of enjoyed so far. I just keep them to myself. I'm thinking to myself I'd sooner see Thunder Rosa in this position I'd soon as see Serena you know Serena D. any when I see her I kind of think I want thunder Rosa in that position a lot of the times that's someone who like is a is a baby face to that crowd who they're into has really good matches much in the same way I want to see a Serena D Brit Baker feud Cause I think that's the thing you finally then cement and then you can have Jamie Hayter turn and join Serenity, but anyway, fantasy booking, at least Jade, like she's a look at the end of the day and they had to have a win and it, it, it's but like, yeah, short matches. Don't do that. Um, I also wanted to bring up as well, like Phoenix's arm fucking hell. Um, that was horrible. That yeah. was absolutely fucking grimness.
0: I'm glad it's not broken. Like I, people were equi- equivalent it to like the Sid break. Mm-hmm. I didn't I, to be honest at the moment, I didn't think it was that bad. As nasty as it looked. Um and he's gotten quite lucky, but it did feel like it kind
2: yeah, of Dr. Benson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than the fucking Dr. AW I have got to tell you. Um, <laughs> I haven't got a PhD or <laughs> anything. But I, I did think it there was clearly something off about the end of the show because of that, because it was so fucking mm. weird. Like the, the match itself was, was, was good enough, you know, uh lucha brothers you know that their style's not going to be for everyone uh, jungle boy and luchasaurus i kind of do feel like a you know they're a the hot little baby face team and it, it was nice to give them you know that big moment so i don't think lucha brothers were ever gonna have a, a long title reign again type of thing you might have been able to do on a, on a battle of the belts if you were asked about that but they did it they did it mm. here instead you know i was glad that christian didn't you know get involved to immediately do the jungle boy story i think that's that's going to be coming but coming later they've been teasing that a while and i, I think it's probably fine to, to tease it a, a little bit longer but yeah the post-match just seemed really odd it was like because of the break it was like they had more air time to fill and we're all expecting you know Brody king to turn up with alistair black so we'd had a couple of teasers of that but that wasn't happening and then alistair black is just sat in the crowd and then all the tag teams wander out and then Chris Jericho, for some reason, is sat in the crowds. Like, like almost like they were just like, i ah, just show anyone, show Jericho. Okay, now, now show, like, because I think, because LAX was sat right in front of them, so I think that's what they meant to show, but it felt like they panicked because there was probably something more that was going to take place, going to run a bit longer. It was just a really awkward end to Dynamite, wasn't it? It was dead strange.
2: It was just like, I thought it was just dead memeable. I'm surprised there hasn't been like loads of stuff like all over Twitter. Like uh, I was, all, it almost just felt like you could just be out of these cuts of just like various people just been there. Like wait, you know, like someone from the start of going for gold or something like that, waving just in the <laughs> crowd and you ways know, to get those little entrance points. And you could have just like randomly had like the Midnight Express at the top of the ramp. or think, you know, like just the way it kept cutting and cutting through like various things. It was so odd. The itself like as well was I mean obviously it, it had that the whole thing happened there with the arm, um, but oh, there there's parts of this match that I fucking hated so much. Like where there was like, Phoenix and Jungle Boy doing that synchronized rope jump thing where they were each holding the other guy's hand and up on them. I was like, what, what are you doing? What's everyone doing here? Like, it, it just is this a wrestling match or what? Like, it just looked absolutely preposterous. And like, I just I was that was really early on in the match, and I was just I was just lost at that at, at, at that point. It was you know, like. Uh, like whatever like this to me was just so like bang average and it and it, it was it just felt like something where i feel like um i feel like Lucha Brothers have disappointed me quite a lot recently. I think we put it, and some of the FTR stuff. We put a bit of it yeah. on FTR, but no, I don't, I'm not sure the Lucha Brothers um, delivered um, to, to be honest when it comes to to that particular one. So you know, I'm interested just to see where this um, pivots and goes now with the, uh, the the new tag champs here and see if they do anything of interest. Um, but back on the Jake Cargill stuff, I didn't like the way that she, they almost like baby faced her by having a daughter or in the crowd and mm. I felt like it was odd. She's been presented as this like fucking bitch of a heel. Kind of, you know, she's, you know, uh, and then suddenly she's this like baby kissing kind of like person who, everyone's, oh, isn't that great? You know, the, you know, the child's in the crowd and all this. And I was thinking, hang about, she's been presented as being this absolute fucking cow for like for the first moment she's been put on our screen and like, Suddenly, you're sort of like baby-facing her now in this title-winning moment by by doing this. I think that that just, just felt a bit odd. I, th- I think this whole show just felt a bit odd once the Danielson um, Hangman match was out of the way. There was that weird Jericho promo where I don't know what the fuck was going on with his hair. Oh. It was like, someone had just coloured it in with a felt or something <laughs> like that at the front. It was, <laughs> it, was so bizarre. it was so bizarre, wasn't it? It was just so, this odd little black square kind of thing. Never a black like,
0: hair in his life. again? that
2: whole segment was 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 just a just a bit odd term um, i mean i've mentioned it previously like the wardlow squash been enjoying these you know very much kind of like shades of you know Sid Vicious just coming out and just battering people, and you know, just getting the crowd behind them more and more. And I just feel like they're handling Wardlow to perfection here. Like he looks like a fucking superstar, and you know, they've got the old formula right: get the big fucking hard bastard coming out there, killing people, and the crowd are going to cheer him. Great, you know, it's going to be such a big moment when he does that, um, in, in a inevitable babyface turn. But yeah, as a whole, it's this show is I'm just like looking down the bullets of the matches. Yeah. All about the opener and then the rest of it. Mm. I could, could leave the lot of it, to be honest. I, I
1: did have a good laugh during the, when Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> fucked up him going <laughs> for his finish and he just got kicked in the face. I, I did have a good fucking laugh for that. Again, I shouldn't be laughing at it and he's not very good. And he is one of those people you're thinking about when you're freeing up space and things like that. You do look at Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> and think, "Yeah, he's not very good." Like that's the thing we do need to remember in this. There's, you know, various other things about this story. Now, Griff Garrison's much better. Yeah, Just,
2: know, he's much better. I also <laughs> thought so. He got he got loads. it got loads of offense in this match, though. Yeah. Like, that was one of the weird things. Like, like again, Malachi Black's been presented as this killer, and like. Brian Pillman was uh, he was on top for loads of this match. And I was thinking, hang about is This is like lower mid-card babyface. What the fuck's he getting all this time for? Like, weird. I also thought the
1: MJF CM Punk stuff, can I just say, there was just... It, I forgot about that. I didn't really like it because, again, it kind of again hinges on a very good line involving WWE. That seems to be the common theme in terms of the big line that they say to each other always tends to involve them and don't get me wrong it's funny i laughed at it i get a reaction i also and this is really nitpicking i hate the idea of what they did with the dq because it was like punk is in the ring mm. sean dean's in the ring um mjf's run to the outside and is like backing up the ramp and it's like punk grabs sean dean and aubrey edwards rings for the bell why like mjf's not there yeah yeah. like in theory it was just like one of these things if they were having the match and he just came in and attacked Sean Dean as MJF ran off that would have logically made sense but it's a, th- it's a thing yeah it just it, it's, it's a small thing but it just made it kind of seem a little bit off which kind of again when I'm thinking back on it fits in like lots of the ways where there's lots of these matches and segments where there's just that little thing that's off apart from the opener mm. yeah. which kind of nails it
0: It's a bigger conversation, (laughs) but... There's a lot of those little quality control things I think with the uh, with AEW yeah. right now. Maybe uh, <laughs> I think Tony needs an assistant, buffer Gabe Sapolsky's on the market though. We didn't mention him when we talked about WWE releases earlier. Maybe he'll, uh, maybe will bring in nice, normal,
1: saint Gabe. <laughs> I'm sure he's absolutely fine.
0: Great Twitter I can't it's Man, I'm after my own heart. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that was weird, and that just that, they're the types of little things that definitely, definitely need tightened you know, up. Not not you know mm. business thinking or anything like that. But yeah, definitely not
1: definitely compared to, to WWE. Really. That, that, not at all. I'll Take
0: those nitpicks. Um yeah. I mean and yeah, I mean moving through the week, like anything on rampage at all. We got to see Hook wrestle again. Adam Cole, and Jake Atlas, was decent enough until Jake Atlas um got himself hurt and uh, I liked at least the way mm-hmm. they used the, the leg as like a finish rather than just, you know, a roll up yeah. or something like that. You know, leaning into the legitimate injury uh I think was smart. So Hook had to sell a bit more against Aaron Solo and he maybe didn't look quite as impressive as a result, but you know. Still looks good, didn't look as good as he did in that strippers this weekend. Um, we've all <laughs> seen the uh, The gift of uh, today, but, you know. He looked, uh, he's, uh he's having a great, like, great time that lad bang into it, was Um, <laughs> but that was he looked fine. as
1: awake as I've ever fucking seen him yeah. in any of he's these because he but... looks like a fucker at the best of times, but he seemed bright and alert at that point in time, didn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He yeah, has a good. He has a charm, like
0: does does oh, But yeah, that was fine. I thought, and I thought, yeah, the main event, um, six man tag. mean they've done a lot of these plundery type of matches in in AW recently. It did feel a little bit like one too many. But in isolation, I thought it was a fun brawl. I thought it, you know, they mm. did some, they brought brought some creativity and some some hatred. It was just maybe, yeah, one too many of those matches uh, lately for me. But I like Eddie Kingston with Santana Ortiz. I like Jericho's involvement with it all a lot less. I don't know if he's just after all that fuzzy stuff, whether he's just trying to uh, convince people that he can that he can still go. It seems, it seems a little bit odd that he's uh, you know doing a lot of promos and doing a lot of uh, run-ins and stuff, but he's not really getting properly physically involved. I wonder what the uh, the status of uh, of him is going forward. But it does feel like they're possibly building something with uh, with him and Eddie. So yeah,
1: he can't run, mate. Yeah, he struggled. Didn't he, he can't run. Um, yeah. He's he, he's shuffling down that aisle. Mm. It's like that bit where Mr. Burns sets the hounds, doesn't he? Mm. And then he's got that like he's his old dog at the end kind of crawling out. He kind of feels a bit like that as he shuffles down the ring. <laughs> I will say this as well. I always enjoy 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Like I always honestly to God, 2.0 have been a great pickup. And Daniel Garcia is getting more and more involved as well. Mm. Um, and I know obviously they're setting him up for him to have a match right. with Sammy Guevara as as well, which will be, which will be good. Um, although Dustin Rhodes attempting fucking Canadian destroyers through tables out, out off the ring mm. at that. his age. I love that. <laughs> fucking mad. That was absolutely mental, mental behavior of a man his age.
0: That that was a, that whole scenario was weird though, wasn't it? Like that, you know. Obviously, oh. this battle of the belts wasn't particularly loaded in the first place. But then they lost Cody, who apparently hasn't even got COVID. He's just a contact of someone who had COVID. So in typical dramatic Cody fashion, we create an interim belt for the six days he's got to isolate. <laughs> I don't really understand. Yeah, I like think it's five in America. Like I don't really understand <laughs> what's going on there. But yeah, Sammy's got a version of the belt back. You know, where maybe they can wreck on that terrible rain in the yard. I don't know what direction they're going there or what the uh, the, the genius idea is. Uh, well, it's it's Cody booking, so. mate. Yeah. Where are you
1: going to
2: do? It's all over I, the shop. I mean, I said, here yeah, I think surely the, he must have just been beating Cody, mustn't he? And then there was yeah. going to be transitioning into the, obviously, the Garcia feud after that with Sammy having had a big win over Cody, you know, presumably his um, but but yeah, this just all seemed just a bit odd to just do it in this way. Just, surely there was a better solution than this, and it just in like if this if this show felt low key anyway, it just made it feel even more low key. That <laughs> like it's an interim title. Randomly that's on there, it's randomly dustin Rhodes who's having the match for this interim title, and there's really no justification for him to be in the match in the in the first place it it just was a odd odd choice again in a week of what felt like some odd decisions and some weirdness going on in and around a w that just uh, just just added to it and yeah to then um so, I mean the match itself, like, I've you know I've gone like three point two five stars on it. You know it was just average TV fare. I think I could have gone you know three you know three stars on it overall, but again just. Feeling inconsequential again, really, for this to be sort of a you know, obviously it was put together last minute, but to, to this to be sort of the, the here we go, it's battle of the belts, first match, and it's Dustin Rhodes against Sammy Guevara for an interim title. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> mm. okay.
0: Yeah, we all love dustin but yeah i mean that that screamed what they thought of the show wouldn't it like putting him in there like it was like for like and not just you know pulling the trigger on doing a, a tag team title match here or something with one of the other belts uh i don't know if interim belt was the uh, was the solution but yeah i mean that was kind of the most noteworthy thing on the show though wasn't it um you know rampage felt mm. bigger um i don't know if you got notes really on either you know this show had matt all ricky starks and an ftw match again shows what they thought of the, the concept putting the ftw uh belt yeah in there of all the belts and brit baker and reho had a, to be fair had a, had a good little match um you know but there was a couple of points where I maybe bit that they might be doing something daft and, and putting the belt on reho i was more relieved than anything that they didn't um seem to continue to push stuff with her uh, with jamie hayter and brit baker so we've got that all to forward too but again Rather inconsequential, inter- really, in the in the grand scheme of things. I
2: think this just just again just reiterated my feelings towards Ricky Starks that I just think he's bang average, and I just thought this match was just another example of him just being bang average. I, I cannot see why he's been given the volume of screen time that he has had by being involved in doing, you know, low key average commentary, and then every time I see him in the ring, I think is 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 absolutely average as well. Like he just. He just seems to be someone to me who's got an overinflated position and uh, an overinflated amount of support around him. I, d- I don't. I can't remember a time when he's really delivered. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can. I don't. Uh, if Brian anything. Cage
1: when he won the FTW title, it was like all good. They had the Hobbs turn and stuff. That was actually. What, but he was in Austin, so he's in his hometown.
0: Don't remember a second. <laughs>
1: It was that yeah. good. It was that good your brains couldn't fucking handle how good it was. <laughs> honestly. Well, do you remember?
2: One out of yeah. three. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, the Brit Baker-Rio match again, I thought it was it was good without being great. Yeah. um you know, there's, I think there's Certainly, more more legs, and just keeping it on Britt Baker a bit longer. And there's other people there within the uh, within, within the roster. Who I think further down the line are better opponents for for Britt, and better people for the title to be uh, flipped onto there. But I thought there was again some some bits there again, just hinting at the things which can happen with Jamie Hayter and that relationship side of things. You know, I thought. There was, you know, good point. I think these two work together well. You know, the quality. You know, it was probably it was the best match on the show for for me. Definitely the one that I uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the most. But equally, I've seen them both be better as well. So it kind of, you know, it didn't feel like I, I felt like if these two go out and absolutely kill it now and have a banger, they've they've saved this show. But it just fell pretty much bang into that middle ground, really. That the um, you know slightly above what the other two did. Yeah. I'd echo a lot of those
1: thoughts as well. And I go back to, I very, very quickly, I thought Serena deep sit down with JR was, was good. And it also suggested much bigger things, which I hope is her getting into a, like a run against Britt Baker. Cause I think that's the feud that you really, you can start motoring, doing something different with Britt Baker and actually embracing
2: her being a face. And the the only other thing that jumps out from the three shows this week that I definitely want to mention was my favorite Andrade moment in his entire AEW oh. when he said to Tony Schiavone, "Why does this little guy work for Sting?" And Schiavone says, "He doesn't work for him." And Andrade says, "How do you know?" <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: I loved it. It was it was so good. <laughs> him incredulously asking, "Why does this about Darby Allen? Why does this little guy work for Sting?" Brilliant, I was laughing my head
1: off. (laughs) And he call him a child as well a couple of times? It was
2: was genuinely fucking funny. Yeah, I was laughing my head off. Brilliant. He doesn't. How do you know?
0: (laughs) Most interesting Andrade's done in a while, to be fair to him. Definitely. Uh, But yeah, strange old raid, I would say. You know, Dixie Dynamite on TBS, uh, you you would say is a is a success. You know, just over the million point, maybe on the lower end of, you know, maybe what I was hoping for as an overall viewership. But yeah, a point four three in the in the demo is uh, particularly Mm -hmm. impressive. I know in eighteen thirty four, the you know the the key of the the key demo, it was the I think it's their fourth highest ever um i don't know what it is mm. about tbs maybe the youngs had a better you know, did better at finding the channel than the uh, than the olds did maybe that's that's what Apparently it's got here.
1: big bang theory as a leading oh there you go like all reruns of that which is always going to do a good number mm.
0: there is yeah. that there is that but yeah yeah, a decent little uh decent little demo number and yeah plenty to uh to build on there i hope and i hope that yeah with the uh you know, with 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 those uh those weird uh, West Coast things out the way, and there's other sports competition coming, there's always competition, isn't there? There's always uh excuses. Let's hope they can uh keep it in that range, and uh yeah, they gotta get a of momentum going now, uh, going forward. Yeah. That's aew. I think that might be the podcast <laughs> as well. That's gone three and a half hours. Here. <laughs> cool. That's I funny. feel, like we're, fight I feel fight. like we're all flagging.
4: <laughs> it is one oh, oh, thirty-eight in the morning.
0: Some old six Absolute. patrons are still with us, thank God.
1: Yes, thank really, you guys. really? God. I'd yeah. all, right, all, i had all the impact thoughts. They're ready and lined up. Do it a post go. show if you want yeah, mate. Um, I could do it really quickly if you want, and save for going in. All right. I've watched one match, so I can talk about one match as
2: well. If we're doing it, God, you, you, you talk about that. Go on. I'll we'll you time we'll, do I'll it. we'll get no impact timer. out of the way. I'm a Steve Macklin guy. I didn't know. I fucking really enjoyed that that. Really fucking good Him and Trey Miguel Yeah I really enjoyed that match I just saw that it had Like a good rating on the app So I thought Oh well if I'm going to Watch anything from Hard to Kill I'll watch this one What a fucking great match This was Just like a little Just low key I've gone 3.75 stars on it Like Mm. just right from The first moment Where he just you know, Trey Miguel's coming down the aisle, and Macklin just comes flying out of the ring and just hits his flying lariat through the ropes and just knocks him on his ass. It was oh, it was it was such a great start to the match, and then he was just like doing just so many great aggressive fundamentals throughout. In this, Macklin just like little things, like you know, the old forearm in the face on the pin, and just driving his knee into his back when he was doing headlocks and things like that. That I was I was loving them details there. He had a fucking huge spear on the in the ropes on on Trey Miguel. Which looked like it you know nearly killed him. There's a couple of great Meteora spots from Trey Miguel on, on on this and you know I had no idea who was winning the match, you know, bit on a few counts and things like that. But I just uh, a match that I just randomly just found myself watching because of the grapple rating that I would literally never would have gone to at all. And fuck me, it was good, really, really good. Go out your way to watch this mm-hmm. one.
1: Yeah, I'd wholeheartedly agree. I must confess, I haven't seen the main event. I haven't seen Dionna Parazzo versus Mickey James yet. I did see some of Moose, Matt Cardona, W. Morrissey. I haven't seen the end of it. I'm guessing I've not really missed all that much. It's the match you you can imagine inside your heads. What I just would say is it's the start to the show. First of all, getting Tom Phillips, Tom Hafenin, is that his real name? Mm. He's an upgrade. He's like he felt like a serious, proper commentator, actually. And do you know what? He did his fucking homework. He knew all the storylines, everything else. He was kind of on it for this. But it was the opening to the show. They had Mike Bailey in um a pre-show match. It was him, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and someone else who isn't immediately coming to mind. But uh Mike Bailey looked fucking great here he looked absolutely tremendous in, in here as well. And and so he, he felt like someone who was like, ah, oh, right. They're going to be doing something with him as, as well. He kind of really was like kind of properly showcased. Um, let's bring up Gresham versus Sabin. I thought was, was very good. Um, it was kind of strange they had like he was Ring of Honor Champion, but it was like he had pure rules of rope breaks, which was kind of weird, didn't explain. But they had Ian Ricca Bonnie out there doing the commentary as well, which was kind of really good fun. And Bobby Cruz doing the introduction. I thought the limb work at first was kind of like kind of really good. And then it kind of escalated into other stuff. And there was a point where you thought Saban had the pin, but in fact, um, he had his leg under the rope and that was the thing that kind of changed the match. So I thought that's worth going out of your way. I thought the knockouts ultimate X match was kind of fine, fine as a stunt show. I thought Lady Frost did a couple of mental things and that was kind of fun. Josh Alexander versus Jonah was a bit more fun than I expected as well. Like sort of three and a half star match, but um, Josh Alexander one went over. That was the main thing for that. And yeah, I think that's pretty much, I do know the ring of honor invasion angle. Funny as fuck. The stable doesn't make any sense yeah, in terms of you've was- got. Yeah, they did. And had PCO with him for reasons. It was like, I I messaged Alan, because I'll be talking about some, I'm hopefully I'm, do, I'm doing a show with, with Alan tomorrow for um, PW Torch. Um, but one of the things I I, I did message him is like, honestly, if you told 2005, Alan, much like if you told 2005, Benno, that there was going to be like a ring of honour invasion in TNA, and these were the participants <laughs> involved, Heath Slater, Rhino, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Eddie Edwards on one team. You'd have gone, oh well, Eddie Edwards defect over. And It's like, yeah, many years ago, um, up against um, the uh, Matt Taven, fucking Mike, uh, Mike Bennett, Vincent Pco. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm all, I'm here for it because why not? for the sake of up until April, try and get some weird juice in this, but it was, it was all very weird. And there were people chanting ring of honor or ROH, I should say. And honestly, Benno, if you'd seen it, it would have felt like a part of you has died. (laughs) Like it was, it was, it was ring of honor and everything, but, but like it it was name only. It was just like anything, but, but I laughed. I thought it was funny. I did. Say, so yeah, yeah a part impacts of hard to kill. Yeah, can compare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, slightly, slightly better. And I would say for the first four matches and for the pace and in particular yeah, Matt Clint versus versus uh, Trey Miguel, which is a real pleasant surprise. Go, out, go out of your way to watch that.
0: I I tuned in about halfway through and caught a couple of the matches. Unfortunately, um, unlike me, fell asleep and uh, missed the main events of uh, the Mickey James and Deanna Perazzo stuff. I was half expecting a WWE invasion after um, the stuff that's been going uh, on. Maybe WWE ROH and Impact. That's the uh, that's the new Forbidden Door. But uh, maybe I'll catch up with that match and we can. Uh, give it a bit more a bit more time next week JP they uh, definitely got some positive reviews impact for this pay-per-view so it is a shame that uh, on such a busy week it's kind of forgotten about hasn't it but you know good for them good for them they deserve a bit of good press every now and then
1: slight upgrade in talent apart from the fact that W Morrissey and Matt Cardona against Moose which I imagine is the match that sent you to sleep (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <Calculative>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, three three good matches here on the app though. Like when you look at the ratings and, and we've got like decent numbers coming in for them. That Gresham Saban match at like three point nine five. The Jonah Josh Alexander match at three point eight three, and that Trey Miguel Macklin match I enjoyed at three point six seven. There, so like just solid there in the middle of the the card. Three, you know, three in the you know th- three, th- three three point five to four star range. Three on the bounce. That's better than fucking Wrestle Kingdom.
1: But I was going to say, better than the vast majority of Wrestle Kingdom. Took us three hours, over three and a half hours to get to that point, but here we are.
0: <laughs> next time we, we skip Wrestle Kingdom, we do two hours on impact. Promise you, JP, this time next year. Yes, yeah. uh, As it should be. <laughs> Speaking of sleep, yes, we should uh, get out yes. of it. I'll keep the uh, the plugs short uh, this week, uh, obviously. JP, you mentioned you're going to be on with uh, with Alan this week. You've got that to look forward yeah. to. Um, what are you doing? Uh, it's going to be
1: sort of like my kind of thing about the rest, uh, wrestlers to look out for in 2022
0: fair enough looking forward so to,
1: the forward. mlw roster in my
0: case <laughs> and stardom uh but yeah we will yeah. Uh, have alan on uh next week uh to announce that three hour 35 mm. minute point we've got a we got a uh, we'll, we'll put it on Twitter. um alan is coming on uh for the other top 10 matches of the year podcast next mm-hmm. week but yeah other than that we'll be doing the uh the regal mixtape uh over on uh, on our patreon everyone knows where that is and yeah gareth download the app buy the t-shirts
2: Indeed. You know where to download the app. Get yourself to grapple.bigcartel.com. Get yourself a white or black grapple
0: t-shirts. There you go. Look great, feel great. Great stuff. Clear <laughs> <laughs> out, know, Gareth. Uh... A spare room for him. Give him a hand. <laughs> Right. Anyway, it is 1 45 am. It is late. We will oh. say goodbye to uh, to everyone here. We'll be sticking around for our patrons for, a am sure, a very quick post show. But yeah, we'll see you next week, Cross. Top 10 matches of the year podcast. And we'll see you all again. Bye. Good night. Good, night. <laughs> Good morning.
4: You for you big,